connecting to the real nerds is so easy. You can go to our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can like us on Facebook. We have a Twitter account, at Real Nerds. We also have Instagram. You can call us, 720-6Nerds5. You want to email us? You can do that, too. Realnerds at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Coming to you from the X-Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this John of All Trades podcast promo. Each Wednesday, I bring you a brand new interview with someone fascinating and ask the question we all ask when we meet someone new. Hey, what do you do? It's fun, informative, and it's the 2017 Westward Reader's Choice Award winner for Best Denver Podcast. iTunes, Stitcher, and johnofalltrades.us. Welcome to the Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic Con 2018 and beyond. I am a host, James, and I am joined as sometimes by... Ryan. What? Uh, uh, no, <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I, I swear. Uh, Zach. Okay, yes, Zach is here. Also... Ho, ho, ho. God damn it. <laughs> no, I'm Santa? not, I'm, I'm not going to do it. It's, 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 it wouldn't be fun without... <laughs> Sorry, folks. The plan was for me to pretend to be asshole Santa Claus and make fun well, of myself. But wait, okay. Who are you? I'm Santa, or no, I'm Zach. Wow, <laughs> I'm Santa. He's this into his own delusions. Uh, I got Zach and Brad here. No Ryan this week. Uh, he is I'm unfortunately James. out saving saving the world. I'm Batman. He's protecting a city. One piece of paperwork like at a, a time. Superhero. Uh, I am the man who knocks. Yeah. He's living in slow motion those montages from Hot Fuzz where they fill out paperwork, but cool, only there's no cool music and it doesn't go fast. He's actually just in a field firing his up in the gun up in the air and going, ah. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm sure he'll be back next week. Actually, he's going to call in and give us his review of the movie with this week, which is what we do. Every week we go see a movie. This week we went and saw some movies. Uh, and then we podcast our experience of the world. Uh, this week we had a, a kind of rough time, so we decided that we would sort of repeat a movie that three of us saw a few weeks ago, which is Three Billboards in Ebbing, Missouri. Because uh, it wasn't featured. Yeah, it wasn't featured, and we didn't get to really dig into it, um, even though it's, you know, certainly... Uh, Worthy. If you watched, if you listened to that episode already, you know that some of us think it's a pretty good movie. Um, and then some of us also went and saw Lady Bird. I almost said Lady Hawk. Different film. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Shit, we saw the wrong film, man. <laughs> Zach and I went and saw Lady Bird this week, so we'll talk about that as well at the end. We'll talk about whether or not you should see the movie, and then we will... And I'm um, going to make up shit about it. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, I did see it. Create a theme song for Lady Bird. Lady Bird. Lady Bird. <laughs> does whatever a Lady Bird can. Oh, yeah, it's a superhero film. Uh, Greta Gerwig made her first superhero film. Uh, Non-Marvel, but, you know, yeah. heck, yeah. she's on her way. <laughs> no, a seriously. Woman with woman well, superpowers. Then we'll play the trailer, and then we'll talk some stuff about it. And it might be spoilery. Uh, it's hard to spoil Lady Bird, but it is pretty easy to spoil Three Billboards. So, she does uh, turn into a bird at the end, I will say that. Yeah, if we recommend those movies, you should go see them before you finish the episode. But way before that episode, we're, or, you know, the review, I mean, uh, we'll talk about... 
what we've been watching this week and some news and Blu-rays and some more news and what's going on around town and all kinds of stuff. Um, but uh, anyway, how you guys doing? Brad, how was uh, the Mox and Docs thing last week? Uh, you mean yesterday? Uh, <laughs> hey, these people don't know. Yeah, that they didn't know because I didn't post the Coco episode yet. So. Uh, my mom's about a week behind, so she won't listen to this till next week. So I was right last week. So last week at Mile High Mox and Docs, <laughs> uh, it, it was good. There's a lot of lot of good documentaries, very few mockumentaries, um, and turnout was okay. Cool for a, a show that we scrapped together at the last minute and yeah. didn't promote very well. Um, well, you promoted it here, and a lot of people went. Hundreds, right. hundreds of people. Yeah, uh, my memory's crazy. Uh, it was sold out, like all the blocks. <laughs> so sold out. People had to go on the roof. That's yeah. yeah. What are you challenging me? You can't prove anything. <laughs> yeah. We installed like tele- t- telescopes in the windows so people could watch from across the street. <laughs> hmm. That seems antithetical to making money <laughs> for the theater. So, you know, it's about getting your art out there, Brad. It's really yeah. about art. Yeah, yeah, people had a lot of. Uh, no, it isn't. Trying to think of some like specific. Stuff they, they like, obviously there was like a documentaries about gentrification in Fort Collins. Um, <laughs> gentrification in Fort Collins. I'm sorry. Is the is the small town college town full of white kids getting <laughs> like slightly larger and pushing the poor kids who weren't able to move out of Fort Collins out into the the. the I know you're making a joke, outskirts? but if you watch the documentary, you'd understand that there is a uh, ethnic population to the north and south of Fort Collins. Mm. And they are being cast aside oh, so that mean. those white children can expand their presence yeah. for the college. And then, um, I guess Fort Collins recently recently updated their slogan from, like, beer um, <laughs> beer in music and bikes or something. I hope it's beer, um, beer, some music, and bikes. <laughs> it's like, yeah, come to Fort Collins for beer, music, and bikes. They've added... Uh, no. Beer, booze, and bikes. They've added mayonnaise <laughs> to the list. I forget. It's four now. Anyway, the the addition of Marijuana. music, <laughs> the addition of music is controversial because the town is too expensive for most musicians to live there, and so they're piggybacking uh, their identity off of something that, um, you know, the, the 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 most of the venues don't want to pay the musicians oh. anything. Oh, okay. At all, sure. They, they their payment is exposure. Ah, that's um, bullshit. And yet the town is claiming that they are a hub for popular music scene. And uh, the musicians are obviously frustrated that they cannot live there and also not get paid to live there. I love Fort Collins. And they're not allowed to town. live together because there's a oh, yeah, U2 that rule. rule. That, yeah, that rule is some, some fucking bullshit. dog shit. What yeah. is this rule? The U plus two rule uh, went into action while I was there, which basically said that uh, you can't have a household... That has um, more than you and two other people in it, unless you're a family. So it basically means that any household can only have three people living there, unless you're a family, right? Uh, which makes it really hard for people to like make the houses in Fort Collins affordable um, by you know just putting more more roommates in the same room. So so in that in that situation, would Uncle Jesse and Joey be allowed in the house? No, because they're technically not. Yeah, okay. So no, they wouldn't be. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, so the they so would, that's why full kids. House. So that's why full. Yeah, I guess if be... the kids weren't there, then yes, then then just Bob Saget, Jesse, and Joey could all be in the house. But as soon as the kids are there, it is now more than you plus two. 
and therefore Jesse or Joey has to go. Well, apparently Fort Collins. Actually, probably both of them. So then that's why it took place in San Francisco and not in Fort Collins. Yeah. Now we know. Um, little history for you. Anyway, that's interesting. Anyway. Yeah, I was going to tell some more, but that was a long discussion on just one of them. So <laughs> Yeah, let's not. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's good. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. Sweet. And then um, I also came back from L.A. Oh, yeah, you went to L.A. <laughs> <laughs> how, was the tri- how was the one-day trip to L.A.? Did you see anything uh, cool? Did you get to meet John claude I did not get to meet Jean-Claude, but I did talk to Peter Tensio and Dave Callaham, the cool. director and creator. Respectively. Of, yep. Of the of show. The show. Of Jean-Claude Van Johnson. For 10 yes. minutes. And uh, either you're going to listen to that interview right now or check it out. Check out the site <laughs> throughout the week for the uh, mini episode if you that I'll post. If you don't hear it right now, it means that Brad decided to just make it its own episode. Yeah. <laughs> The well, show I, the show is Jean-Claude Van Johnson, right? Jean-Claude Van Johnson, yes. What is that show about for people who don't know? Uh it was an Amazon pilot about a year ago this time mm-hmm. and it got picked up and then they extended it to six episodes of Jean-Claude Van Damme's career as an actor has secretly this whole time been a front for him being an international super spy. Oh hell yeah. Um and he is kind of in the end of his career. And uh, his makeup artist, he uh, he once uh, had a thing with, and she's come back into his life. And so he's depressed about that because he really wants to be with her. Um, and then meanwhile, he has to try and stop this uh, like international cartel from... They have some plan I haven't really figured out yet. And they're, cool. they're going to destroy the world. Yeah. And so he has to stop that. Meanwhile, he's he, and then meanwhile he's on set all the time trying to do these action movies. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, I think one of the pieces of news this week that we weren't going to talk about is that Amazon's talking about not making their pilots public anymore, which would kind of be too bad. One of the fun things about Amazon shows right now is that you get to sort of like vote on what stuff is is coming out. Uh, the, the first frustrating part of it is that you see a pilot for Jean Claude Van Johnson and then you like it, and two years later you finally get the show. Yeah. Um, but because uh, that happened for me on Man in the High Castle, um, which might be why I never really like got super sucked into Man in the High Castle because I was really into it when I saw the pilot. And then two years later when the show came out, I was like, oh, this is really cool. And I got like four episodes in. and I was like, I have other things to do now. But anyway, that's cool. Yeah. So um, did you get yeah. an In-N-Out burger? No, no, that's not a thing that I'm that you give a shit about. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't, I don't it's I don't not just, that great. Yeah, it's, uh, I've heard from some people it's amazing, uh, and like you know, I've tried many different foods, and often it's just like <laughs> it would have to be the most amazing thing to like, yeah, impress me. And then I guess we're getting one here anyway, so yeah, we are. It's no longer special. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I bet it tastes like a regular burger, so I, I don't care. It, it, yeah, it I've had many opportunities to try it, and I've just ignored it because I don't care. Yeah. Um. But no, I I, uh, I tried to cram as much as I could while I was there. I. Uh, Went to Grauman's, intending cool. to well, finally watch a movie in the, like the historic part of the theater. And the, the Chinese theater, for people who don't yeah. realize. The one that you've seen all the movie premieres at on Hollywood yeah. Boulevard over mm-hmm. the years. Isn't it TCL now? It is TCL. Yeah. And what I forgot is, since in the past seven years, they've built five more like mini extension theaters into that entire complex that they built next to the Dolby Theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my Blade Runner 2049 ticket ended up in one of those and not the main theater. Uh, so 
that's still a bucket list thing to take care of. And I, what's kind of annoying is like, if I'd planned better, I should have spent that time trying to go to a 40 X show, which is something I can't do here. Yeah. So, but, um, the only one I could make was the 645 justice league and my flight was at 1040. Yeah. So I wasn't sure if I was going to make it. Yeah. No, Actually I would have because the, the flight was delayed twice in the, oh. in the, <laughs> we switched planes twice. So oh. if I, you know, I probably could have made it, but yeah. I didn't know that. That's ruthless. And what else I do? Oh, I went to this uh, Star Wars cantina. Oh, cool. Called the Scum and Villainy Cantina. Now it's it's not a Star Wars cantina. They can't say that. Is it like a pop up bar? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Doesn't really. It, it kind of has a sign out front, but it's it's very much like a hole in the wall. Like as you're walking, you'd ha- yeah, you'd, you'd have to notice it. Uh, but inside, it's super cool. It looks like uh, a Tatooine cantina, and they have great drinks. Like amazingly, for a guy who doesn't like like drinking. Yeah. I tried the blue milk and yeah, it's it's pretty good. And then there's like a Grabthar's hammer drink, which was a vodka based thing. That was pretty good. Um, and then they had some other things that I just didn't try cause I was in a hurry. So funny story about that pop-up bar is that, uh, I listened to the half hour happy hour with, uh, Alex Albrecht and Allison Hayslip and they got tickets to that, like right when it opened and they were super excited and there was all this like promotion and lead up. And when it opened, it was like just a shitty bar with some Star Wars stuff on it, but like no one was dressed up. They weren't even. They were playing club music instead of like cantina music. Yeah. Like it was totally fucked up and wrong. And they <laughs> complained about it for probably two more episodes. And then like a month later, they got word that that bar had like actually done it right and like changed all the stuff that made people hate it. And then now it was super awesome. Yeah. So when that yeah. thing opened, apparently it was dog shit. But glad yeah. to hear it's cool. Well, when I was there. I didn't really notice it at the time until someone else pointed out to me, but they, they weren't doing cantina music when they should have, but it was like eighties tunes. So sure. Close enough. Yeah. Um, at least nostalgic. Yeah. And for anyone who doesn't, uh, know what we're talking about, it's, it's the same bar that, uh, Kevin Smith and Mark Bernard and do their fat man on Batman in now. Oh, okay. But they weren't there that day. Cool. Um, cool. Cool. Yeah. So that was most of my time. Okay. That's cool. Um, it was the first time I felt like I could exist there. You mean in L.A.? Yeah, that could oh. interesting tolerate being there for more than a yeah. vacation. Yeah. Oh, I also went up to Griffith Park trying to uh, find the spot in the that they shot the famous the La La Land poster where they're dancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, the light pole was added by them, but uh, yeah. I tried to find that uh, location, and it's like closed off to the peasants. Aww. So. <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. Shoot. So I got, did you go go up to the observatory? I think it was, I've been there many times, so oh, I, okay. I didn't go all the way there. But yeah. I found the, the the road that leads up to where it's supposed to be. Right. And then there's like a big sign that says, like, only private people allowed. And I was like, fuck it, oh, I'm walking fuckers. it. And then I walked, like, I don't know, a mile and then said, like, this is stupid. I'm going to go back. Uh, you should have danced it is yeah. the problem. I know. I would got there faster. Yeah. And they would have let you in. Yeah. If they see happy people dancing, uh, nobody's, nobody stops you. So that's cool. Um, yeah, I was out there this summer and did some of those things. So mm. that's fun. Cool. Uh, while you're rambling about things, what's going on around town, Brad? Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. I don't know. I I only know what's going on in L.A. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, well, <laughs> at the Esquire, since the Disaster Artist is coming out next week, um, the room is every week in December. 
<laughs> there so we including go. this one. Oh, that's cool. Um, that's not a bad idea. That's great. But uh, specifically for December 8th and 9th, they are showing in Bruges. Ooh, mm, nice. So topical. I guess they're retiring Rocky Mount or Rocky Horror Picture Show for a uh, little bit while the room plays out the other half. Yeah. Um, and then at the Bug Theater on Friday, December eighth, they are showing Die Hard. Cool. Uh, but it's a drinking game, so what? I guess they're going to give you some things that Re- are common in the movie, and you will drink to them. Every time he steps on something sharp, you drink. Yep. Yep, that sounds like something they do. Uh, Every time somebody gets shot. shot. (laughs) Every time somebody falls out a window, you finish your drink. Every time a gun goes off, drink. Every time John McClane talks to himself, take a drink. Every time a superior officer doesn't trust that the (laughs) the one cop who's down there talking to John McClane the whole time, you take a drink. Every time a cop claims jurisdiction, take a drink. (laughs) Every time Alan Rickman makes fun of Bruce Willis for being American, take a drink. (laughs) Ooh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Every time Alan Rickman changes his accent, take a drink. (laughs) Every time you go, oh, Alan Rickman, take a drink. (laughs) Every time Alan Rickman says something slow, take a drink. (laughs) You'll be blitzed. (laughs) Uh, And then Saturday, December uh, 9th, is is another... uh, Version of the Nick, uh, Denver's Nickel and Dime Animation Festival. Uh, this this one is to uh, benefit the Bug Theater itself. Cool. cool. So proceeds, and that's like a world class animation thing. So there's shorts from all over the world that uh, awesome. Michael Scott has put together, and that's the seven. Both those things are seven p.m. But the uh, the animation festival is ten bucks, and Die Hard is fifteen. So cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Die Hard comes with comes with at least one drink. Doesn't say. Don't quote me on that. Okay. You aren't being quoted. And that is what's going on around town. Cool. Uh, we like seeing movies at the Alamo. Yes, we do. We like seeing Alamos. How about you? Hello. Hi, I'm Kevin Smith. Hi, I'm Leonard Malton. Hi, I'm Mark Hamill. Hi, I'm Elijah Wood. This is Seth Rogen. I'm Christopher Mitzblas. I'm Martin Star. Welcome to the Alamo Draft I thought your technique could have been better. <laughs> uh, this week, wow. Brad, Bradley Haig. Are you trying to do a trombone there? What does that sound like on the... Well, it, uh, the, the, the gurgling of the straw is a little quiet, but the pulling of the straw was very loud. I think if you blew, blew bubbles, it would be audible. I can't. The, the, the cane's ice is so dense that... Yeah, There's it's nowhere that, for anything to move. Yeah, it's that it's that sonic ice. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this week at the Alamo, they're um, transitioning into a lot of Christmas stuff. So uh, on Friday the eighth at the Littleton Alamo, you can see It's a Wonderful Life, which is fantastic. Uh, if you've never seen it, because you're un-American or whoa, whoa, just whoa. Un- I'm American. Oh yeah, you've never seen it, James. Oh, it's, really, it's really good, man. That's what I've heard. Fuck. It's not my money. It's Mary. <laughs> you want the boom, Mary? Don't you know me? Uh, Just let me know. I'll throw a lasso around it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, Saturday the 9th is the Elf movie party. Uh, and then the Gremlins Rule Breakers movie party. I do want to do that. <laughs> and then the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation movie party, which is awesome. I love that movie. Uh, at the Sullins Lake location. On uh, this week, they're getting. Uh, by the way, they're getting disaster artists this week, and they're also getting my friend Dahmer this week. Uh, so, if you want to see either of those at uh, either of the Alamos, 
go right ahead. So they um, are expanding it then. Yeah. Okay, uh, cool. A Christmas Story is playing on the 7th at the Sloan's Lake location. They're also showing Gremlins there on the 8th. And then they're showing Elf and National Lampoon's Vacation on the 9th. Uh, so you can check that out. Uh, so, yeah, that's everything at the Alamo. I'm sure there's more stuff next week. So before we proceed, um, so obviously my failed bit at the beginning of it, but I got you guys oh, Christmas yeah. gifts. I totally – I'm so rude. So it would be much more fun if Ryan was here because, like, I, got, I tried to get gifts each theme to something you guys like in life. Um, but um, we'll do Ryan's another time. But So go ahead and open them. Merry Christmas, guys. It's not Legos because when I shake it, it doesn't make a Lego sound. Exactly. Darn so. it, Zach. I didn't get you anything. <laughs> That's okay. I'm not getting You Zach give me shit all year. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I do give you shit all year. You don't have the Indiana Jones thing? He's still opening it. <laughs> uh, this is a really fancy version of Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I have that on version. Blu-ray. It's got a book in it. <laughs> on Blu-ray. Ooh, it's got a book in it. Ooh. Yeah. It's for the Target version. Yeah, I found, I found it at... Um, I, found, I found these gifts at my work, so... Yeah. Keep in mind. So that's why this one's They broken. were somebody else's. They, they, they were. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how much. I don't know how much piss and semen is on them yet, but you know. Oh, I look. like the pictures. An entire thing of piss and semen. Thank you. <laughs> this is this is a great gift. I'm never gonna use Zach. <laughs> What'd you get? Star Trek Five. It's I, a, I guess the movie, but adapted no, no, it's, by it's, James it's, Blish. Nope, it's not. I checked it in there. It's actually this. This is the spinoff novels they wrote before the first movie even came out. Wow! So this is actually from, this is a re, a 1977 reprint of a 1971 book. It's Weird. Not a first edition. Mutiny so. aboard the Enterprise. The entire crew was deserting, hurrying down to the planet that had been declared deadly to human life. Uhura had short-circuited all communications to Starfleet Command. McCoy was getting blissfully drunk on mint juleps, and Spock, dot, 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 Spock had fallen passionately in love. <laughs> I read that, I'm like, God, wow. I want to know what the full story is so bad. Based on the exciting television series created by Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> this week on Brad Reed's Star Trek novels. <laughs> the sad part is Zach doesn't understand that I don't read. <laughs> I mean, this is pretty short. I probably yeah, 136 pages. I thought if nothing else, it'd be cool to just display on the wall and whatnot. Like you could put it as the one book on your shelf. You know, you know, what I was impressed by is like uh, we had these like family friends back when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and their oldest, <laughs> and they gave you better gifts. <laughs> <laughs> no, their oldest was a huge Star Trek fan, and like his room was like all these novelizations, just yeah. like all across his wall. He had all the models made. Um, I was, that's, yeah, I was impressed. Like, I was like, I aspired to that. Yeah. They had this, uh, they had three books of this kind of nature. So they had that and they had two Han Solo books. The Han Solo ones were first editions and they were 50 bucks each at our store because someone found out the value of them. Fuckers. (laughs) Yeah. This one was like 20 and I had vouchers. So I was like, yeah, I'll get this one. (laughs) But yeah. And then I don't know why. That uh the that disc thing falls off. Oh, that's fine. I'll fix it. You can just put glue on it and whatnot. But I'm just looking through all of these pictures and remembering want... how cool this movie should be. I, I really, re- I really regret not putting a note in there that said, uh, "Dear James, I heard you like my shit. Love Spielberg." Oh look, here's a really great picture of Harrison Ford in a fridge, <laughs> <laughs> like just awkwardly squeezed into this fridge. Like, the fuck am I supposed to do? <laughs> So this is like an not a goddamn episode of the show that he's turned into a book. Yeah, seems like it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's an episode of the. Oh, is it the fifth episode turned into a novel? I guess so. It's called. It, 
because the title sounds familiar whom gods destroy i'm pretty sure that is an episode of yeah that. It is an if episode. not it sounds like one yeah i just like the way to describe it to get people interested in reading it spock, yeah. spock falls passionately in love oh the the best indiana jones thing that happened on the set of this movie was just this cute picture of kate capshaw with her husband that's great oh and then george lucas is in the background going like hey guys i'm here too uh. <laughs> My divorce caused your marriage. <laughs> it would be better, Spock said, if you were to return to the Enterprise at once. <laughs> Why? Kirk asked in astonishment. <laughs> your safety is vital to the ship. I can take charge of the security detail. I see, Kirk said. Very well, Spock. Mr. Scott, beam me aboard. On receipt, on receipt of the countersign... <laughs> <laughs> Aye, that's, sir. that's how long the you engineer get. said queen to queen's level three. <laughs> <laughs> oh no oh no you're russian accent <laughs> is that russian i was trying to do scottish and that's why putin hates oh that us. was supposed to be Scot- <laughs> oh i thought that was supposed to be Spock, uh give me the countersign kirk loved this phaser <laughs> <laughs> wow Sep- okay Sep- uh, this is pretty great idea for a spinoff show is brad reads the <laughs> pocketbook <laughs> science fiction we're novel. having a hard enough time keeping one podcast on the rails that's true uh making a second one is probably a bad anyway, idea so, sorry to derail but no you're good this start the holidays Thank off you. didn't i don't know what my availability on the show is going to be like within the next two weeks due yeah. to surgery so wait yeah. wait wait, wait. <laughs> i think these are five separate stories collected because oh <laughs> star trek the next chapter five. has a new title and then like two <laughs> credit they like to say what they're credited <coughs> for but i assume they're writers on the on the front uh cover what are the words directly under the number five does it say five says, stories no it just says a star trek five adapted by james blish more thrilling adventures from the prize-winning television series created by gene ronberry asterisk asterisk weird yeah the tholian web it sounds like a title from the show that definitely sounds like a title from the show <laughs> let that be your last battlefield it's weird though because they're all like six pages. That even a half-hour show should be longer. It should have uh, it should have pictures inside of it the way that like the novelization of Kazam did. You know, like in the middle where there's like ten glossy. This side color of paradise, pages. Nathaniel Butler and DC oh, Fontana. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. They're just he's just making scripts out of episodes. Well, he's prose out of. Well, prose out of yeah. yeah. Turnabout Intruder, Gene Barry, Gene Roddenberry, and Arthur Gene Singer, Barry. Gene Barry's. <laughs> That's my Jeez. favorite Captain Crunch spinoff is Gene yeah. Berries. <laughs> cool. Okay. Is anyone still listening? No. <laughs> no. Um, all right. Uh, that was a segment called Zach's Gift Giving. It failed miserably. It won't be picked up for a new season. How about news time? It's real news. How about nose? Just kidding. <laughs> Uh, do you want to start with the fun thing, or do you want to start with all the other shit and then save the fun thing for last? Um, if, if, there's, if there's only one fun thing, let's just get it now. The way before we get too depressed to even want to do it. Hey, yeah. did you guys see that Avengers trailer? Because shit. Wow. Yeah. That's. Mm-hmm. Although there's Thanos a lot of looks less threatening as a just a bald dude wearing a like he a, does like an Under Armour shirt. Yeah. I wish he had like the uh, helmet. Are we playing the trailer? Oh, sure, we can play the trailer. Why? Everyone saw it. Oh, yeah, we don't need to play the trailer. <laughs> I'll just watch the trailer again. Fuck it, here's the trailer. Okay. There was an idea to bring together a 
group of remarkable people. To see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could fight the battles. That they never could. Fences and get this man a shield. Fun isn't something one considers when balancing the universe. But this <laughs> does put a smile on my face. No, I agree with you. It was like my first thought when watching that trailer was like he stepped out and I was like, well, he looks a little bit better than Mr. Ooze from the Justice League movie. But and obviously the CG's not done yet. And he doesn't look he doesn't look as bad. I think that CGI is pretty good. Yeah, it looks like he's Josh Brolin in makeup. It looks like Josh Brolin with a big liney chin. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wish he had the helmet. Like, I wish he had a cool and maybe he'll get one. Right. Yeah. Um, But I would agree with you. He's not intimidating. He looks like just a dude. But all of the shit happening around him right, is what's he, awesome. I heard he moves a planet into another planet, so like, what the that's f- badass. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> oh, with the, man. With the gauntlet, but still, it's like, I don't see that in a trailer, so if I'm just an average Joe being like, why are they afraid of this guy? But in a, you know, we've spent, what, 18 films building up to this? Um, and and so I think they've they've built everything properly. And the cool thing is they're not even like, trying to set anything up they're assuming like look you've seen at least two guardians movies so you probably understand this guy is a shitty guy and we spent all this time setting this up so you understand this is going to be like the big fight um it's all you know you do lose a little something since because of civil war we've already seen like how cool it is when you get all the superheroes in one place um but i think still still pretty badass and then like the fact that it's gonna have a giant land war battle sequence in it is pretty ridiculous. Um, you know, you get those shots of like everybody running out of the, the woods. Um, yeah. I, I love, it's cool. I love the, the uh, almost like not more than four hours after the trailer dropped, we got all the memes. 
Yeah. My favorite one is uh, with Chitala with where he's saying get it's in the line in the trailer it's get this, get man, this man a shield. shield. The other one has uh, a picture of Spider Man and then it turns to get this man an uncle. <laughs> and then there's one that has the picture of <laughs> Spider Man's landlord from Spider Man's one and two and three, and it says get this man his rent. <laughs> 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 um, um, and then the other one is Thanos does look a little bit like Homer Simpson. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if you, purple if, Homer if, Simpson. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't matter. The truth is, I think he does look pretty badass. A watching him drop the gem into the gauntlet is pretty cool. And then when he like smacks the shit out of Iron Man, and Iron Man goes down like a rag doll, uh, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, like that shot alone, you're like, oh shit. Um, and then who the hell are you guys? Yeah, right. And then the Guardians show up, and you're like, oh, yeah, with a teenage group. Yep. And then, oh, yeah, um, for all you guys who are freaking out on the internet, uh, Thor's eye is not there. So. Oh, yeah, people are just dumb. Because yeah. of those, those uh, variety, it was a variety of Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair, Vanity Fair. Uh, covers where, like, he had the he had the ha- uh, hammer and he had his eyes. And I was like, okay, everybody freaked out. I'm like, guys, they shot those photos, like, six months ago. You realize yeah. that, right? Like, they don't want to spoil four. that stuff. Yeah, like, come on. Everybody... Just calm down. They're not. Plus they usually don't have special effects in like publicity photographs. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ooh, and Steve Rogers doesn't have his beard because he shaved it because he has a job. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. He's not really. Steve He's not Rogers. actually homeless in real life. <laughs> um, yeah. He's not actually living in right. Wakanda. <laughs> right. <laughs> On the hideout. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It looks pretty awesome. I'm. I'm excited. That was that was a fun thing. I wa- I watched it like four times that day, just because it it's just cool looking. I found a way to turn it into a loop and fell asleep to it. Yeah, like you know those like quit smoking tapes or learn Spanish in your sleep tapes. Yeah, I had an Avengers Infinity War tape. So we're pretty sure that they're gonna kill Vision, right? Like Vision's got to die. Vision? Yeah, because they have to rip the gem out of his forehead. Does that kill him, or does that just take away? His I guess powers? I don't know. I guess if he's just a robot with powers because of the gem, then maybe he's just a robot after maybe. you pull the gem out. I'm wondering if you assemble three of the gems, you're able to make a connection with Darkseid. Sorry, sorry, that's not the same movie. <laughs> <laughs> you yes. need a mother box on top <laughs> of it. If you there. squeeze the three gems together... You create a mother box. <laughs> um, then Superman has to push them apart. Um, yeah. Actually, I think one of the... At one point, they have to go to a uh, a small pool in Tahiti with one of the gems and then they put the 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 gem in the pool and uh that's how they resurrect vision no that's how they resurrect uh oh shit what's his name um the 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 shield agent from from the first avengers that everybody uh, loved now uh, i can't Coulson. remember colson that's how they bring colson back to life uh and everything goes back to normal mm-hmm. and then colson loses his mind and tries to attack all the <gasps> avengers yes in other good news, uh, Stranger Things got its third season greenlit, and no one was surprised ever. Uh, Mindhunter also got its second season greenlit, which is great, because mm-hmm. that show's cool. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Brian Fuller and Michael Green left American Gods, so season two no longer has showrunners. Does um, Brian Fuller just like to leave things? Apparently. Um, he's like, he's like, yeah, I had fun with you, girl. Now I'm going to go on to this other girl. Yeah, it's funny. When he's given, like, complete reign to do whatever crazy shit he wants, he makes awesome shit. And then, you know, whenever anything's not great, then he tends to leave. Um, I've heard American Gods is really good, though. So. I haven't watched it yet. Uh, but, yeah, maybe it is. I don't know. I, hey, you uh, gave Discovery to do that. And I was like, yeah, still don't want to do that. Yeah. He wants to do more Hannibal. That's what he wants to do. Yeah. 
And he should. Uh, uh, no, hold on. Can I avoid sad news for a little while? Sure. I could leave sad news. Uh, uh, Denis Villeneuve, Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve Ice. Uh, wants to do a Star Wars movie. Let him do whatever the fuck he wants. Uh, and Guillermo del Toro almost did all the Dark Universe movies, and which we, would have been fucking awesome. But you know why we don't get it? Because we don't deserve nice things. <laughs> so that, that news came out the same day that, uh, I think the same day that, uh, or a couple days after, or a couple days before, Zach and I went and saw Lady Bird. Man, that was a really hard sentence to get out. Um, and they showed a new trailer. And they were it. showing that trailer for Shape of Water, and I was like, oh, shit. Shape of Water is really just his, like, Creature from the Black Lagoon movie, um, which I super wish it was now. Um, when is that coming out? Uh, December 21st for us. Yeah. So that maybe the last thing we see this year? Yeah, it might be. Yeah, maybe that's the movie we see after yeah. Star Wars. Yep. I mean, there's a few things in that last little block of... You know, stuff that we'll just sort of want to mop up before we, we do our watch top Hugh 10. Jackman sing. Um, yeah, I guess we should talk. Well, hold on. Let me get the sad news out of the way, and then we'll talk about okay. end of the year stuff. Uh, Brian Singer was fired from the from Queen, the Queen biopic. Another uh, one bites dust. Bohemian Rhapsody, um, apparently for sort of not showing up to work, and maybe this is a thing he's been doing for a while on certain films. Did it on Superman Returns, and he did it on X Men Apocalypse, according to the report. Uh, so that's weird. Um, yeah. But he was all there for Days of Future Past. Well, he that was that was right after Jack of the Giant Killer and he probably was like, "Hey, I should actually work for this one cuz uh otherwise my career might just stop." Um so that's too bad, I guess. I don't know. I'm I have very mixed feelings about Brian Singer because while I want to just do what I'm supposed to and not judge him for the fact that all allegations against him were settled out of court, I also don't feel great about it, and yeah. Anyway, um, John Lasseter. So a bunch more details came out about John Lasseter this week, including some snippets of people who worked with him and basically said, like, nah, man, it wasn't just, like, awkward hugs and stuff like that. He was definitely doing things he wasn't supposed to do. Um, Wasn't, like, yeah, just... It's bad enough that they're starting to s- say or suspect that um, that Disney knew enough about it and was actually like sending escorts with him to certain events to make sure that he behaved himself, mm-hmm. um, which is never a great sign. Yep. Um, so the truth is, at this point, you know, maybe he shouldn't come back, um, which is a huge and terrible blow to Pixar and Disney Animation as. I mean, I think if you rolled back the tape on our podcast, there's a number of times we have said that Lasseter's reign at Disney has been the best thing to happen to Disney animation. Um, yeah. It's really a shame. Um, but, you know, again, goes to show you, like, hey, did you need to behave yourself? Um, and clearly this is a uh, pretty widespread and terrible um, problem that's been going on. So anyway, uh, that sucks. And that's really all we can say. Um, yeah. I don't know how you f- salvage that studio. I will definitely say that if he comes back and Disney doesn't do anything about it, I will find myself in an ethically challenged position. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what they do. Yep. Uh, I would say that so far no one has sort of gone unscathed with this whole uh, – waterfall of allegations 
uh, as far as I have seen. So I wouldn't I wouldn't expect that a six month you know go home demand will be all that happens to him at this point. Now that more stuff is coming out, um, just because you wonder like, okay, is anybody even going to want to work with the guy? Um, so, and the truth is, as much as we love what they've done over the past few years, he wasn't the only person doing that. And it sounds like there were a lot of people who their voices were not being heard or didn't feel like they had the, that they were safe enough to voice their opinions on certain stuff. So it could be the things actually get better with him. Not, not there. Like we actually have no way of knowing. Um, he's, he's really just been in charge of Disney animation for like the past, I don't know, 10 years. Yeah. Um, it started everything in everything on the Disney side was, is like basically since, uh, princess and the frog, I think Ryan would really be the one to know. But. Yeah. But like Pixar has kind of been doing stuff without him. So yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but technically he, I, I mean, he's still overseas, yeah. but he's not like, he's not the creative head there. The, uh, no. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, you know, there is, there was a really interesting, ar- uh, article on slash film that people should go check out. Um, that I should have had pulled up and I think I did, but I just closed it. Um, about sort of going back and re reanalyzing the story of brave, uh, in this context. Like now that we understand these things about John Lasseter, like what does that say about, you know, there was all that, that sort of kerfuffle where there was a woman who was directing and I don't remember her name now, which is terrible. Uh, there was a woman who was directing brave and then she basically got fired off of the film about halfway through and they hodgepodge a bunch of stuff back together. And so that movie was never quite what it was supposed to be. Um, and I still like brave, but like there was a maybe better version of that film. As um, Alex Sullivan is quoted as saying brave. It's suck ass. <laughs> um, man, I don't, I don't remember that. Yeah. no, was that in one of his tweets? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, yes, I do remember Guys, that. Let's go back and listen to the show like I did. Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Brave is suck ass. <laughs> it's suck uh, ass. Uh, yeah. So some people think that Brave suck ass. <laughs> um, but anyway, the if you go back and look at some of the coded language that she was using after she left and sort of, you know, in leaving said the right things about you know, oh, creative differences and stuff like that. And then when asked about it a few months later, well, you know, once it had sort of died down, basically said like, no, I would never go back and work there again. Like I made the right decision. I don't work well with the leadership there. And like when you sort of maybe read into some of those things and sure you're, you're recontextualizing it a lot, but it may be that there were some warning signs there. And that, yeah, again, maybe there were really great artists there who had really cool visions that just weren't comfortable working in that studio with him, um, which is really a shame because uh, I liked him. But now yep. I don't. Um, whoa. Just as we sit here, I just saw the headline, Quentin Tarantino's Star Trek movie in the works, and we're not making this up. Uh, uh, I, mean, I had Quentin Tarantino news this week, but that's not it at all. Uh, what, you, what was your thing? I'll read this crazy shit while... No, no. I'll read this crazy shit while you talk and ramble uh, and people Qu- fast forward. Quentin's uh, movie uh, about 1969 um, is getting a release date for August of tw- ni- of 2019, and it's the 50th anniversary of the Sharon Tate murder. So Sony's really working with him in regards to the context, the content of the film, it seems like, because... That's supposedly when, like, the idealism of the of the '60s dies is with the Sharon Tate murders. So, 
according to some who write books about the decade. So, but yeah, so you'll be getting your next Quentin Tarantino fix August 5th, 2019. I'll be there. Uh, I wasn't listening to you. Deadline has breaking sto- or has a breaking story that claims that Quentin Tarantino, the acclaimed filmmaker behind Kill Bill, blah, 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 blah uh, might be beaming up to, to the Star Trek franchise. Per Deadline, Tarantino pitched an idea for a new Star Trek film to Star Trek reboot director and producer J.J. Abrams, and the idea was such a hit that Par- Paramount is going to assemble a writer's room to hash out Tarantino's idea. Deadline says that if the idea works out, Tarantino might direct the film himself with Abrams producing. Okay, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with that too, but I'm a, I'm okay I, with I this guess a lot. I'm, I guess I'm glad that Abrams was able to hear Quentin's criticisms of Into Darkness and take it with stride, because he was openly critical about it on the Nerdist podcast a couple of years back. So, um, but that sounds cool. I'd be down for Quentin doing Star Trek. With this, Kirk stepped forward and slapped the little <laughs> Spock twice, hard, with a roar. Spock swung out at him. Kirk leaped back out of his way, raising the bar of metal between his hands to parry the blow. <laughs> it was not much of a fight. Kirk was solely concerned with getting and keeping out of the way, while Spock was striking out and kill- with killing force, and with all the science of his war- once-warrior race, there could only be one ending. Kirk was deprived of the metal bar at, at the third onslaught, and finally took a backhand which knocked him to the floor against the far wall. Spock! His face contorted, snatched up a stool, and lifted it over his head. Kirk looked up at him and grinned ruefully. All right, Mr. Spock, had enough? Bam! And then Spock said, get your hands from around my neck. That was awesome. Good timing, Brad. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Christoph Waltz is con. <laughs> Pam Greer as Lieutenant Uhura. There we go. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, Blu-rays. Kirk, get me the video cassette of Spaceballs the movie. Have you seen this? But there's been a new breakthrough in home video market. Instant cassettes. They're out in stores before the movie is finished. Okay, this one, you have to check this out sometime. I can't even... Just promise me you'll rent it. Sir, what? are either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. Fuck much too early. Prepare to fast forward. Preparing to fast forward. Fast forward. Fast forwarding, sir. Well, this is the last time I rent here. You'll be missed. Screw you! No, 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 go past this. Past this part. In fact, never play this again. Despicable Me 3 is out on 4K this week, so you can claw your own eyes out at home. Uh, American Assassin is on 4K this week, uh, which is that... Um, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton movie that I actually heard was good. So I might check this out. Uh, I like an assassin movie where people have guns and, and shoot at each other. Do you like assassins who are American? I like assassins no matter what race or creed or or nationality. Oh, I was speaking more towards the title. But I mean, okay. unless they're assassins of Americans. That's the only kind of assassin I don't like. Okay. Well, there you go. Which maybe the kind of assassin this is. If it's an American assassin, they might just assassinate Americans. They're gonna play on your emotions. Oh my goodness! Guardians is out on Blu-ray this week uh, from Shout Factory, actually, uh, which I didn't notice until I clicked on this. Guardians is the uh, the Russian answer to the Avengers, uh, <laughs> basically. Uh, they have a wolfman in their group, don't uh, they? I believe he's a bear, sir. Okay, it uh, doesn't matter. I mean, it's a creature with a snot, snot nose. Oh, no, it matters. It's a Russian film. It's definitely a bear wolf. Oh, or yes. a, a werebear. 
Um, so it's a, there's we a guy have Hulk, we have bear. There's a guy who turns into a bear. There's basically Whiplash from Iron Man Two. Uh, the the Prince of Persia with his crazy swords is in the movie. There's a guy with I think a laser gun for an arm, and then there's a sexy lady with long hair. Uh, and they're the Guardians, and they're here to save the Earth or something. I really want to see this movie. Um, basically, like, during the Cold War, the, the story is that, like, during the Cold War, the Russians were experimenting on, like, you know, superhero stuff, and they built these, these the this Guardians, team yeah. called Patriot. Um, no, they're not called the Guardians. They just are Guardians, I guess. I don't know. Uh, anyway, so check out Guardians if you can. Uh, Twin Peaks, a limited event series. Of the return, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 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 the Netflix show. I heard everyone was so happy with the... Showtime. Was it Showtime? Yeah, it was Showtime. Oh, that's right. It was Showtime. Doesn't matter. I didn't watch it. I heard everybody was happy with the second to last episode, and then the, the last episode pissed everyone off. So I, I haven't watched it yet. I will get to it eventually. <laughs> um, The opposite of tr- is true of Men in Black, the trilogy. I will uh, watch it again. No one was happy with the second to last episode, and the last episode was okay. Yeah, it was just fine. I it mean, I'll okay. still watch the second one. Yeah, but I won't. I, I, it'll be like the thing I work on other things on while watching it. <laughs> I didn't really finish the sentence. This is on 4K, uh, so you can get 4K editions of all the Men in Black movies. Uh, honestly, this is probably worth it just for the first one because the first one is an amazing movie, no matter what Ryan says. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. Speaking of things that. Hold up. What? No, no, no. Jumanji doesn't hold up well at all, but it's still cool. Uh, and I'm sure 4K will do it no favors. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but still, this week you can get uh, Robin Williams' Jumanji on 4K. That movie is really great. Uh, somewhat that. Okay, here's the thing. There, this should be a thing. And I don't know why it's not. There should be a thing where people go back and redo the CG on movies from the 90s and early 2000s to make the CG better so that we can watch those movies again. Like if you went back and touched up Jumanji and made the monkeys, not the fucking worst thing ever. And then just re-released Jumanji. It would be a great movie. I have a friend I want you to meet in, um, uh, in the San Fernando Valley. His name no. is George. Lucas. No, this is different. You are peeing on the work of all those artists from the nineties. Yeah. They were doing the best they could with what they had. The difference is George Lucas made something great and then made it worse. James, Jumanji, come, James come with me to the dark side. <laughs> Jumanji was great in 1993 or 1995, whenever that movie was. 1995. Uh, it was fun. It didn't look great, but you didn't give a shit. And then now you watch it and you're like, oh, this hurts. Like James, I'm saying the same just thing. Think about 1989. No, <laughs> no. He pissed on something great. I'm tired. I'm taking something that no one wants to watch anymore and making it watchable. James, come into my basement. I've made ice cream and we can watch movies together. I don't like your basement. <laughs> You're not my uncle. <laughs> Speaking of shit with great CGI that's really bad, Transformers, uh, the whole first trilogy, no, quadrilogy, uh, is out on 4K this week. So you can re- replace your, uh, yeah, but I think only the first four are out this week. Which is weird, because I think the fifth one released on 4K. I would like the first and the fourth one, and that's it. You picked poorly. Um, all of them. All of them are on 4K this week, so you can even watch the racism of Dark of the, uh, Dark of the Moon. Uh, no, uh, Revenge of the Fallen is the racist one, right? 
No, no. Dark of the Moon is the super racist one. I thought Revenge of the Fallen had like the two. Like, oh, sorry. No, yeah, you're right. I opened these in the wrong order. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Revenge of the Fallen is is the second one. Yeah. And the second one is the racist one. Yeah. Uh, Dark of the Moon is the one with all the space shit. The, the, the Dark of the Moon is the one that insults the NASA program. But Dark <laughs> of the Moon, the beginning of Dark of the Moon has that awesome space sequence that makes me want Michael Bay to make a space movie. Um, yeah. And then they had to. Dragging an American hero to legitimize this franchise. And then they fucked it up with Marky Mark Dinosaurs. Anyway, uh, Split is getting a Steelbook edition this week at Best Buy uh, with a better cover than any of the posters for that movie ever were. Sure. Uh, it's cool because he's like... Spend your money on it. Yeah, again. he's like standing there and then his shadows are all the different versions. Of, like he's got four different shadows and it's the four different people. Cool. And one of them's a monster, which is a cool cover. Um... There are a bunch of releases of South Park on Blu-ray. Has South Park never been on Blu-ray? Is this the first time? Okay, cool. Well, the original seasons, they started yeah, doing one... Blu-ray like season 18, 19. Oh, okay. Well, it looked like one through maybe six or seven were out this week. I so think they're restoring the original ones. Yeah. yeah. So if you're a big fan of South Park and you want to upgrade or you don't own it and you feel like now is the time... You can uh, you can start your collection with the Blu-ray versions, but they're thirty bucks each. But they're thirty dollars each. I, I can get them on DVD. I'll be fine with that. Yep. That show. I don't know that 4K is going to help too much. <laughs> the, the it's blu- not 4K. The movie on Blu-ray looks or, yeah, great. Yeah, sorry. No, yeah, the Blu-ray. movie on Blu-ray looks yeah, great. Yeah, I would but, bet actually. But a, that upgrading from DVD to Blu-ray might be worth it just enough. But yeah. I, don't know. I, I still get the DVDs, and they still look great. So I don't, yeah, they're uh, probably fine. Yeah. Uh, Best Buy is also going to have a Steelbook edition of Fury. Put a pin in that one because um, I'm going to talk about it later. Uh, Code of Silence from Kino, which is a Chuck Norris movie uh, where he stands in front of a golden light and holds a shotgun. That seems like... Sounds like something he does every Friday. Uh, and then very, very, very last uh, from Shout Factory, the collector's edition of Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah. <laughs> he knows when you've been naughty. Uh, this is a movie where a young-faced boy dresses up like Santa Claus and murders a pile of corpses based on this uh, this poster here. I mean, Ryan's talked about it, and I, 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 sh- I should watch it again and talk about it, but it's a fun flick. One of the pe- one of these corpses has an arrow in it. Did someone get killed with a with a bow and arrow in this movie? Yes. Oh, um, oh it, my! This film's notorious in a weird way for it. So it got picketed in the eighties. Oh yeah, and like for taking for, the the, the like, Christ out of Christmas. No, for like they were like, how dare they make Santa a murderous a murderous figure? Blah blah blah. How, I was dare, like, so a bunch how of, dare they make an imaginary creature a murder? Like, really, it's a bunch of parents. No matter who they Sorry, are, it's kids. just a bunch of parents having something stuck up their ass. But like, yeah. and then like Roger Ebert like did some kind of thing on it where he railed against it, but he railed against everything. Probably because it was bad. No, he railed against everything that wasn't Ing- um, Ingmar Bergman or Werner Herzog. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Fair. No. He did not like, I will tell you right now, uh, Roger Ebert did not like Night of the Living Dead. And well, he's con- wrong. And continued to defend his review of it till the day he died. Oh, really? Yep. He never revisited it. Oh, man. At he's... least Leonard Malton does that because Leonard Malton's a badass. Well, no, uh, he, he, Ebert, Ebert did that too because he went back and rewrote his, um, his Groundhog's Day review. Uh, like 20 years after Groundhog's Day, he re-reviewed Groundhog's Day because he realized much later that that was one of the most brilliant films of, of the century. Um, That's cool. No Night of the Living Dead, though. No, I, I'm, he just, he I'm hates, saying he should have done that too. But he just hates violence. He also hated video games. Yeah. So 
Fuck him. But he loved uh, anyway, the man. I know. I'm just kidding. Not really. Fuck him. I'm sorry he's dead. No one talks about film the way he did. Jeez, but he was also you, wrong. You, I didn't even wish he was dead. I just, just said he was an asshole. <laughs> uh, anyway, that is all the Blu-ray releases this week. Nope. What? You, you what I seriously left out Simpsons season, I don't know, 15, 16? Oh, dude, I never... I never click on that shit. Who gives a fuck? Like, really? Hold on. Let me scroll all the Fans way to the bottom. Like, ten years for another Simpsons on DVD release. Let me scroll all the way to the bottom oh, of the Blu-ray.com oh, list. It's here. got Fat Tony on it. I'll help you. Uh, I don't even see it. Is it on, is it only on DVD? Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, then DVD. it's not on Blu-ray.com. I don't have time for your plebeian shit. Go back to digital bits, fool. No, because they always fuck it up. I hate it when hey, mom and dad. No one's one hundred percent. No one's perfect. Digital it happens. Bits. No, they were getting real bad there for a while. That's why I switched. Uh, all right. Well, everybody who's listening at home, uh, the reason why we're just dragging the show on right now is because Brad really wants me to read out the name of the Simpsons season. Brian, come you back. mean you didn't have any problems, Kirk said, with slight <laughs> but visible incredulity? None worth reporting, Captain, Spock said. Oh, I should have never given him a toy. <laughs> Let me be the judge of that. Shut up. I'm listening. Only such minor disturbances, Captain, are as inevitable when humans are involved. <laughs> Or involved with Vulcans, McCoy said. <laughs> Understood, gentlemen. I hope my last orders were helpful in solving the problems not worth reporting. <laughs> orders, Captain? Spock said. The orders I left for you. For both of you, on tape. Oh, those orders, said McCoy. There wasn't time, Captain. We never got a chance to listen to them. The crisis was upon us, and then that passed so quickly, Captain, that... I see, Kirk said, smiling. Nothing worth reporting happened, and it all happened so quickly. Good, well... Uh, let's hope there will be no more similar opportunity to test those orders that you never heard. Let's get oh, to work. Brad, you're right. I'm sorry. I, I actually missed two things that are on DVD this week. Uh, so yeah, Simpsons, the, 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 the season 18 is what it's called on Amazon. Um, 18. <laughs> uh, yeah, season 18 of the Simpsons is on wow. DVD this week and also Amazon video. If you want to just own it digitally and never have to care again, uh, it's got fat Tony on it because that's how many characters in they are. Uh, but you know there was something else that I missed because because you're right I gotta I gotta go back and watch those DVD releases. Santa stole our dog, starring Ed Asner, is out on DVD this week. Uh, that's a film where Santa apparently steals some kid's dog. Your dog uh, has spunk. Ed, hate spunk. <laughs> Ed Asner. Oh, 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 oh. Ed Asner stars as Santa Claus in this heartwarming but... holiday adventure for the whole family. Play the dog. On a snowy <laughs> Christmas Eve, the Whitehavens, which is the richest, whitest <laughs> name I've ever heard, beloved it's family dog, town. Rusty, goes missing. Could Santa have taken him? <laughs> Follow the Whitehavens on an exciting adventure to the magical North Pole to get Rusty back as the enchanting holiday delight featuring holiday so- featuring original songs by Dolly Parton, John Schneider, and Liebren Stoller. In this story, Santa's the one who's naughty. <laughs> wow. Yep. Gotta make sure I follow those DVD sales. Okay. I think I think the title on this DVD is out of fo- focus. Like I think the text on this DVD is out of focus. Anyway, Sa- Santa does look suspicious on the cover. Like yeah. he's got that side look. You know what I'm saying? Like he's like, yeah. yeah, I stole your dog. He looks like he was painted to be in a like free calendar that you pick up. You know, on a from like an insurance company. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Merry Christmas, everybody. 
Uh, anyway, that's all the Blu-rays and DVDs for this week. Thanks. Yep. Here's some stuff we've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Zach, what have you been watching? Um, watched a couple things this week. Uh, you guys watched the house the past two weeks. Like, I think house. You, you, he, Ryan watched it oh, two yes. weeks ago. The house. And you watched uh, it uh, a week ago. So, le- literally, after we started, or after we finished recording last week, I decided to watch it. So, I got it on Amazon. Uh, I thought it was fun. Um, yeah. Feral and Polar are fun enough. You know, I mean, you're right. Manzoukas is the reason to watch the film. Yep. Jason Manzoukas. I mean, if everybody doesn't know the story of the film by now, it's, Two parents trying to put their kid through college. They open up a casino in uh, their friend's uh, house, and uh, shit goes crazy, and a lot of Martin Scorsese films are homaged. It's, it starts, I will say, I kind of like the scene at the beginning when they they basically were banking on this, um, this uh, uh, what's it called, when they pay your kid to go to college. Um, oh, scholarship, yeah. Scholarship. They're banking on the scholarship that the town gives and away. Nick Kroll plays and the head Nick, of the city council. <laughs> yeah, basically the city takes all that money so they can build a pool yep. uh, instead of sending their daughter to college. And they Oh, the ultimatum. At the, which, let me ask you this. You want to put this one kid through college or do all of you want to be able to swim in a pool? <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, and, um, oh, God, I... I love like so Manzuka's character is actually really cool because he's like I actually wanted to see the movie from his perspective throughout <laughs> the entire time. I know that sounds weird, but it's like it's like the Polar and Feral character could have been fun side characters, but like Manzuka's character has the most dynamic. Feral and Polar's characters are kind of like yeah, we get it. They're parents who love their kids. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, and they're gonna do wacky things to send her to college. I do. I do like uh when uh he's uh trying to. Uh, like act tough, like like they're trying to convince him to act yeah. tough by cutting off the finger and whatnot. Yeah, that seems great. It's it's great. It's wonderful. Um, yeah, Renner's kind of wasted, but he does get set on fire, so it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do like Jeremy Renner, but yeah. it's also fun to I, watch him set on. I fire. I think he's pretty good. It's just weird that they like spoil his uh, his arrival I with like a newspaper clipping. I didn't notice it right away. Oh, okay. so um, I actually went back and saw that first part again to confirm what you were saying. Um, I also saw Baywatch. Um, oh. Underwhelming? Yeah. I, I mean, the, yeah, no, I mean, that's a good way to put it. I mean, I would put it, like, I wanted to watch 21 Jump Street after it in order to, like, see what goes wrong as opposed to what goes right. But I don't think that would have made any difference. I mean, like, The Rock and Efron are fine. Everybody in the movie's fine, I guess. It's just, like, I don't think they're working with the strongest script. Sure. And, like, and it's written by, uh, uh, Damon, Damon and Mark, the guys who wrote Freddy vs. Jason, and okay. it's there are funny moments in the film, but they're few and far between. Um, and also, they're stretching the concept of Baywatch itself super thin, because like it's it's lifeguard detectives. Right. That's what the show was. Right. Um, and they're stretching it. There's, there's so much you could do in a 21 Jump Street way to make that funny. Exactly. Like, it seemed like the perfect premise that then every time I hear somebody say this movie's underwhelming, I'm like, oh, shit. It's on my, like, stack of things I got to watch before the end of the year. It's, and I'm not excited about it. There are fun moments in it. Like, the, there's a kid named Ronnie in it who's in love with the C.J. Parker character who was Pamela Anderson on the TV show. And, like, the girl who's playing young or a new C.J. in this movie, she's great. She's actually really funny at the very beginning um and the kid who plays Ronnie's fine. Um, Hannibal Burris is in it for a quick moment and he's fun. Cool. Um, but like again, like it's just all of it seems pretty underwhelming. It's I will a, say it's that, a comedy where none of the main roles are played by comedians, right? 
No, because I think I still maintain that Efron has comic abilities. Sure. I think that he just he gets he 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 gets his hits and misses. Uh, and Dwayne Johnson's definitely a comic talent. He's just not a yeah. comedian, but right. he can deliver comedic dialogue. I just don't think all the elements are right there. But I I get why they made it because it's like, well, what else do we do with this property while we have it around? Yeah. I guess we do this movie. Because after this, I don't think there's – no one's going to try to make a Baywatch show anymore at this point. No, 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 yeah, no, so, no, no, no. Um, but I get why – I mean, sorry, Paramount. Nobody went to the movie not because of the Rotten Tomato rating. They went because it probably wasn't that good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Really and it sucks. To, it sucks for me to say this. It co- it's co-produced by Eli Roth. I don't want to dig down on anything he's doing. I oh, like I do. Him, that guy's a shit. Oh, fuck you. But <laughs> like, so, but like, you know, and Seth Gordon directed it. He's a fine director. He did yeah. horrible bosses. I like him. Yeah, I like. I just, yeah. it he, just, he can do funny shit. I think that just like it was a combination of things just not me- meshing. Yeah. So it's sort of less than the sum of its parts. There, there are funny moments in the film. I mean, like it, David Hasselhoff's cameo is super forced and super awkward. Um, but he does destroy a phone in his bare hand, so it's hilarious, I guess. Cool. Um, I saw Monkey Business, the story of the creation of Curious George, um, cool. documentary on Hulu. Um, I mainly watched it because I had a friend from high school who actually worked on the um, writing narr- or the narration uh, script. So I was like, oh, I'll check out and support that work. Guys, that's like that's like a crying movie from minute one to minute end. <laughs> like it's the whole time it's just like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god they're a couple and they loved each other and they made this little monkey thing that likes to like go around and like look at things because he's curious like but basically it's about H.A. Ray and Margaret Ray who were uh, uh, German Jews who uh, had to escape the Nazi occupation in Paris um, and they fled from Brazil and then to America and created Curious George and the story of how they fled the Nazi occupation is what's fascinating because they didn't have a car. They didn't have like, they really didn't have tickets for trains until they get to the Lisbon port. And so they had to bicycle out of France on two bikes that, uh, H.A. Ray built himself out of the parts that were left from the bicycle shop that had sold out of bikes. Cool. Like everything is like, it's, it's, it's all inspiring. It's wonderful. Um, and it made me remember curious George. Like I forgotten there was a story where curious George went to the moon. Aww. went to space and then he came back and everyone's happy that he is a little monkey in a spacesuit. And I was like, that's awesome. Um, I rewatched the Lego movie cause it was 99 cents on iTunes to rent. I cool. don't know why I don't own it yet. I probably should at this point. Yeah. Um, it's still funny as fuck, but I noticed that like the sound design on that film is genius as shit. Yeah. I, I didn't notice it before in the theater because everyone was laughing in the theater. So you don't get to hear all the like little intricacies in it and whatnot. Um, so that was great. Um, something I didn't talk about last week. I rewatched Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein because Spencer Kane and I were talking about it and it got seeped into my mind and I was like, fuck, I'm going to rent this movie again, aren't I? And, uh, yeah, sure enough. Great film. It's wonderful. If you haven't seen it, uh, but Abbott and Lou Costello meet Dracula, Wolfman, Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Um, movies really fun. Repurposes some gags from other Abbott and Costello films and makes them fresh. Um, especially the candle gag, um, where it's like uh, the lose candles on Dracula's coffin and it keeps moving. Yeah, uh, that whole that whole spiel. Um, it's still fun. I think it's actually beautifully shot for a comedy film of that era, because um, because you have to incorporate the gothic element into it, and I think they do a really good job with it. So, yeah, there's that. Um, Amazon had the first season of News Radio for seven ninety nine, so I bought it digitally cool. and rewatched it. Uh, it I f- 
forgot how much I fucking love that show. I love Phil Hartman to death. Why? Oh, oh God, I should have said to death. Fuck. God, I'm going to hell. You're why. You're oh, God. Um, you just killed Phil Hartman. Again? <laughs> Hi, I'm Troy McClure. You might remember me as dead. Um, No, but that show's amazing. Uh, it. I mean, Phil Hartman was great on it, too, yes, but you also had Joe Rogan on it. Um, you had uh, Dave Foley. Um, I mean, Andy Dick's fine. He's what he is, I guess. He's he's awkward. He's an awkward guy. Um, but uh, I forgot that Stephen Root was on the show as Jimmy uh, as uh, Jimmy James. Oh yeah, yeah. He's funny as all fuck because he just he doesn't give a shit about the studio that he's running <laughs> the entire time. Um, but uh, the one of the episodes that I love is it's a great episode where everyone's trying to quit smoking and like. Uh, Bill McNeil, uh, Phil Hartman's character, tries to solve the problem by sticking like numerous amounts of nicotine patches all over his body and gets a nicotine overdose. It's <laughs> really fucking funny. <laughs> I love that show. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and get the. I guess Mill Creek has the complete series on DVD, hmm. like in that cheapo way that uh, Ryan got married with children. Yeah, but Sony has like each season for roughly ten to fourteen bucks. Just depends oh. on what's available so i don't know I'll, I'll make a decision at some point cool. um and then the last thing that i watched was uh a twofold on it so i watched um a riff tracks called santa and the ice cream bunny which i haven't seen before okay but before i i've been trying to do this before i watch the riff track i want to watch the movie itself sure so santa and the ice cream bunny is this movie made by this guy who owned a theme park um in illinois um and uh called pirate world and and he, I guess he got like sued up the ass years down the line, but like this movie was meant to somehow promote his theme park and incorporate a short film that he owned. Huh. So basically the story of it is is Santa Slay has landed in the beach okay. of South Florida and it's stuck and the reindeer got so hot that they flew away, leaving Santa behind. <laughs> so Santa is so hot, like and bothered by the, the sun. That he assemble he he puts out a call to the kids of the neighborhoods in Florida, in, in these like weird Florida suburbs, and like at some kids he knows by name, so he calls them out by name, and some people he just says, "Hey kid, hey kid, get over here," and then as the kids are rushing to Santa's help, at some point you see Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn in Hawaiian shirts what? on a raft cruising down a mini river or a little river or uh, ocean bank um, in Florida and they appear in one scene and don't appear again until the end of the movie just to provide a reaction shot. Um, so basically they're trying to help Santa get out, stuck out of the sand um, so that he can get back to the North Pole, right? Sure. So they try everything. They bring a guy dressed in a gorilla suit to carry him um, out of the sand. They bring a dog. They bring a horse. Um, they bring a donkey. They bring all these things. And then, like, Santa starts, like, getting discouraged, but then he sees all the other kids getting discouraged and says, now, don't get discouraged. Let me tell you about a story about a guy who never gave up. And it cuts to Jack and the Beanstalk, the story of Jack and the Beanstalk, sung by wannabe David Cassidy's and uh, uh, Partridge family members. Like, basically, like, it's the village of Jack and the Beanstalk, but everyone looks like they have a mixture of fancy clothing and 70s denim. <laughs> so it's, like... It's bizarre. Like it was clearly shot on the lowest budget possible, and they sing songs like "Fee Fi Fo Fum." I smell the blood of an Englishman, and it 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 it, it makes no sense to the plot. The Jack and the Beanstalk segment ends, and so they uh, 
they try once more with a dog to get Santa out of the sand bank and it doesn't work. And then finally all the kids leave Santa. Santa is getting so hot that he starts stripping down, um, taking off his robe, and you just see sweat stains on Santa's undershirt. It's all hope is lost. And the kids suddenly appear in a car down the street. They're being driven in a car up the street. And who should appear, guys? But the ice cream bunny. And the ice cream bunny drives a... What the a... fuck is an ice cream bunny? I don't know what the fucking ice cream bunny is. But I know it drives a fire truck from old-timey days down the street through Pirate World because we got to promote Pirate World. Is it, is, it, is it animated or is it a guy in a suit? It's a guy in a suit. <sighs> and he saves Santa and tells Santa, you and I can drive in my fire truck to deliver the, ch- the presents to the children. <laughs> Sounds like the worst pirate movie I've ever seen. I was I had a dumbfound look on my face, and I was like, "Oh God, I got to put the riff on now," because like I I just got to know how they tackle this, and they did it with in any way possible. Oh, they did it with fucking ease. Like it was so easy to do this movie, but like you talking about this movie has given Brad a headache. Oh, look God. at his sad face. Oh, my eyes are just really dry for some reason. <laughs> I I no. It, uh, no, I think it might be the power of the ice cream bunny has come over you, and you're just so overwhelmed. No, they're really hot right now. Dude, seriously, look this fucking film up. Like, look up, just look up a picture of the ice cream bunny at some point. Doesn't have to be now or whatever, but like, it's it's seriously one of the most bizarre things they've ever done. Video segments of a podcast. I mean, oh god, it's just it's ew ew yeah yeah. It has a beard. Yeah, it has a weird beard. And every time on the riff on the riff tracks, every time uh, that bunny appears. Bill Corbett just goes, nah, 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 nah. Uh, what? <laughs> okay, okay, just move on. Just yeah, move on. so that's I all I watched this I week. Okay, bread, bread, bread. Talk about literally anything else. Well, uh, this week I did not watch anything new, so in lieu of that, I'll read another passage from this book that I just got. Spock was studying Garth with the expression of a bacteriologist confronted by a germ he had thought long extinct. You must be aware, he said, that you are attempting to repeat the disaster that resulted in your becoming an intimate part of this place. That was, like, so overwritten. <laughs> I'm having trouble reading it. It's pretty uh, it's like, wordy. Uh, the people who will read this are really into science. So I flipped through all these pages, and uh, God damn it. I was about to make a point that there are no like lines of dialogue for Sulu or Chekhov or Uhura, and the page I just opened has Chekhov and Sulu. It's probably so. that they weren't in that episode much, you know. I just I anyway, want, I want well, him to wear a minister's outfit and I read from that book, and then yeah. we go, Scotty, be with you. Yeah, <laughs> Brad, Brad's actually going to officiate my wedding by reading from this novel. <laughs> I think they truncated these episodes and just cut them out, really, oh, and, except for right now, where it's like. And then Kirk lifted the tractor. boulder over his head to tackle the Gorn. Do you take this woman to be alone? <laughs> tractor field activated. Sulu said. We're being pulled out of here. <laughs> you know, right now, I'm just going to say, you know, right now, Ryan's listening oh to this part of the show, and he's already had, like, some form of stroke and died. Yeah. He's like, come on, you guys. There's no momentum. Nothing's <laughs> funny. Anyway, speaking of no momentum and nothing is funny, uh, this week. Actually, I watched Blade Runner 2049 again. So. Oh, oh, cool. Did you not Did you like it more? Oh, sorry. Huh? Sorry. Oh, sorry. You know. No, it's, it's. Uh, I guess, yeah. I guess each time I watch it, it just keeps getting better and better. So Cool. I should see it again. Yeah. Then it'll get better. I think it might be the movie I've watched the most this year in the theater. So Wow. I, I check my stats. I didn't mean to ask. So you didn't see it in the TCL in the big in the main stage, but like how big was your screen and whatnot in there? It was like a standard Alamo size screen. Yeah. Okay, so it wasn't bad. It like, was really uh steep though. Like um Oh. 
Like, like it was, it was like the Carlos Center IMAX seating where it's yeah. literally like every seat is another. Is a, is your foot your to feet? Is yeah, your level. feet is at someone's headline head level. Yeah. Well, they are in like a street block and they're going upward. Oh yeah. 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 So. yeah it's a very condensed space. Yeah. yeah. It's super futuristic. They have uh, in the lobby. They have these angled um, LCD screens, Ooh. but they still keep the they maintain the entire like rectangle image as they're ang- angled. It's crazy. Huh. Like I don't know how they do that. Well, they live in movie land. They Imagine like, like a mosaic of of like, TVs of of you know rectangular TVs set at forty five degree angles next to each other. Yeah, that create a pattern, and then the you know it's, it's the Justice League trailer playing normally oh, across cool. all of them. Oh, uh, what? That's neat. Yeah. I thought you meant just like posters on the wall, but yeah, that's cool. Yeah. No, yeah, they do the Alamo thing there with the electronic posters. That's cool. Um, and then there was some kind of like interview going down. And I couldn't figure out what it was for. It was for John Claude Van Johnson. Yeah. It was the one you were supposed to be. Conducting. That was a Star Wars thing because they were messing around with the uh, this giant Star Wars dandy. Oh, by the way, yeah, the cool, the great thing about L- L.A. obviously is how they go all out to promote their films. So there's like a gigantic Star Wars last year, the, like the 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 uh, the premiere one, the preview one, yeah, the white one, yeah, with Ray with the lightsaber in the middle, yeah, like enormous above a building, um, above the Al Capitan. Oh, cool! Obviously, the Disney Theater, but yeah. like it's you know it's, it's just cool to because there's nothing like that in Denver. What did they have? Um, so when I was there, it was it was the week that the Mummy came out. That's why I missed the week the the Mummy that year, that week. Um, so they had in the lobby. So just to the right of the Chinese Theater, right there's like some stairs and there's this big open lobby. There's like a the only thing I can remember is there's a Victoria's Secret in that mall. Yeah, um, Dolby but, Theater. Yes. So in that big round lobby thing, there was a sarcophagus that was about seven stories tall. Like the mummy sarcophagus was about seven stories tall and it was in that big thing. And they had redone the whole lobby to look all mummy-ish. Was there anything cool? Nothing like that elaborate. Okay. I mean, that whole lobby with the gigantic like sphinx-like statues is like impressive enough. Yeah. But that, that's a cool idea. I don't know if the Dolby might be a Paramount theater. Oh, okay. Um, so that would make sense, but yeah, there was nothing that elaborate. Okay. I mean, we're in between like premieres. I'm sure when Star Wars comes out in two weeks, there'll probably be some huge stuff. Yeah, there'll be a giant Luke's yeah. Luke Skywalker standy there. I mean, should, there's probably something cool for Justice League two weeks ago that I missed. Yeah, so. like a giant other box. Ivan Ooze, <laughs> giant Steppenwolf. You know, cool. you know, it's funny because the Al Capitan, like, they they have a pre-show sometime where they do something before the movie. Like, with Finding Nemo, when I saw Finding Nemo there, they did, like, a Pixar all-star review. Um, cool. So I would love for Star Wars for them to just have Mark Hamill come out and recreate Guys and Dolls from that Simpsons episode. I would just have him come out and bitch a lot about how much he doesn't like The Last, the last Jedi right before you watch it. <laughs> Speaking what? of Finding Nemo, another movie for that list of spoilery titles. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is a good one. That's, That's a really good night. one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, also, the popcorn smell at the El Capitan, like straight out of. I don't know if anyone's noticed, but popcorn does not smell like it used to in the eighties and nineties. <laughs> uh, but they have maintained it there. It's uh, I, I. It's I can't yes. describe it. It was good popcorn. I walked by and it's like classic. So when I was there, I really wanted a souvenir ticket stub from the El Capitan because I just love that theater. Uh, but we didn't have time to actually like watch a movie. Plus, they were showing Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Fifth Movie. And they... So all I did was I just went up to the thing 
And that, you know, that theater's not like normal theaters where they only let you in right before the movie starts. So I walked up and I was like, hey, I just want to buy a ticket stub and like, can I go in? But I'm not going to watch the movie. I just want to walk around the theater and see the inside of the theater. And I want to buy a ticket stub so I have a souvenir. And the lady was like super confused and like called another guy over and I was like, I just want a ticket stub as a souvenir. So I can bomb the place. I want to give you money <laughs> to walk around and not see the movie. And anyway, they ended up giving me like free popcorn and a drink. They gave me a, su- a senior discount and then let me go in and walk around and, and look at stuff. And it was awesome. So I'm like walking around with my thing of popcorn and my soda and my free soda, um, you know, eating popcorn while I just look at all the cool stuff on the walls at the El Capitan. You know what mm-hmm. happened is that the ghost, of, the ghost of Walt Disney came in after you left and go went, how much did you give him for free? <laughs> God uh, damn it. This is it was, why I died. It was really cool because the movie had actually gotten out uh, while we were there. So we got to like sneak into the theater and look at like they, they had turned the old balconies into uh, like they put these giant cannons in the balconies mm-hmm. and dressed it all up for Pirates of the Caribbean. And I was like, okay, I would almost have suffered through Pirates of the Caribbean 5 for this mm. um but That's anyway cool. yeah yeah would you watch cool um i had a better segue before but now i don't remember uh this week i watched valerian and the curse of a thousand subplots uh w- which is the new luke basson movie i actually would i would say i enjoyed it with a large caveat of i don't give a shit about the main character now you know um, how I feel about the fifth element. The, my review from earlier this year. Right. Very similar. Um, there's some like really cool stuff. Like, So the biggest problem with this movie... No, I won't start there. So the movie starts with this very weird and very long sequence where these CG avatar-looking aliens are on a planet and they're like replicating pearls with tiny little lizards. That's Basically... Basically, they have these lizards that are kind of like, um, uh, uh, oh, what's his name from Futurama? Um, I want to say, no, I want to say Nermal. Nibbler. Nibbler. Nibbler, They're kind of like Nibbler, but like you, you feed them tiny atomic bombs and they make, they just poop out a shit ton of atomic bombs and then you could like power all your spaceships with all these atomic bombs, right? So anyway, um... There's all these avatar aliens or whatever on this planet, and then all of a sudden, like, something crashes into the planet, and they almost all die, but some of them escape. And then, like, one of them, Nova's, and then all of a sudden, our hero wakes up, and he's on a beach. And But you've been watching this whole thing for a really long time, and you're like, wait, what is hap- What? And so it's really off-putting for a movie that I actually think does a pretty good job of, like, establishing its world well, and making you interested in this crazy sci-fi universe. Um, it it has this whole... After that, they go into like this whole... Or maybe this was that was first. Actually, no, even before yeah, all that. Yeah, that's right. First, they did the thing that was like a montage of space expo- exploration for humans. Meeting cultures. Yeah. And building the city of a thousand planets. That's why I was super confused when they jumped to this weird like side thing. Anyway, all of that is to say... This movie is like a series of of actually really fun little adventures um, where your main character like has to do something or has to like find a way to like has to sneak into this place or uh, I think the first one is actually pretty cool when you just think about it out of the context of the film where there's this planet that's like a giant desert um, and 
in on that planet, if you put on like VR goggles and these special gloves, you see this whole shopping mall that is in a different dimension. So the whole this whole desert planet is actually a giant shopping mall. Um, but so there's just this giant desert where people are just walking around buying stuff in a different dimension. Um, and so there's this whole adventure where they have like they've got these cool. He's got this cool box where when he puts his hand in the box. Like, his hand is in the other dimension, so he goes and tries to assassinate this bad guy and steal back this lizard. And it's actually a pretty fun, very creative, very different uh, sort of sci-fi adventure sequence. Um, The problem with this movie is actually it wanting to have a main plot. Uh, Because there's so many of these little side things where... There is literally one point where you're like three or four deviations away from the main plot where where Valerian crashes his ship chasing after this random ship that that has stolen the commander, which has nothing to do, we don't think at the time, with the main plot of this lizard that they have. Um, And then he gets he crashes his ship. So uh, his partner tries to go after him and then she gets captured so then he has to save her, uh, and so he goes and finds Rihanna, who's a shapeshifter, and he Uh-oh. crawls inside of Rihanna, and Rihanna turns into a different alien, and they sneak into this other place in order to try and rescue her, right? Like, there's all... And then they fall through a trash chute, and then they and don't know where they are, and then Rihanna dies. Like, there's all... the Spoilers. There's all these, like, levels of story, and at this point, again... You're just so far away from the main plot that you don't know why you're supposed to care. So the only reason you should care is if you like the main character and and you you don't. Um, the biggest problem here is just that they they've terribly miscast Dane DeHane. He's not charismatic enough, and so when he does like kind of sleazy like. Hey baby, I just want to marry you, and like yes, I'm a womanizer, but I'm gonna change just for you. When he does that stuff. Like when Chris Pratt does it, you're like, "Oh, he's so handsome, and he's probably pretty innocent." Uh, when Dane DeHaan does it, you're like, "Oh, he's got roofies in his pocket." Uh, like he's just inherently nefarious looking, and especially here where they've like made his hair black and short, they've given him this like, like, like if Eminem dyed his hair black kind of haircut, um, and so he just looks terrible and like he's gonna hurt someone. Um, which is too bad because I think the majority of the movie is actually pretty fun and weird and, you know, is it fantastic? No. I think the resolution, this movie, I was telling Brad earlier, this movie would be better if it had the structure of a Sin City where you just kept having these characters go on these little seemingly unrelated little stories or little adventures where they're like, oh, we, we've got to go get this lizard thing or, oh, shoot, she got in trouble and I got to go find her. And then along the way, we ran into this one guy. And then at the end, you have one sequence where you find out like, oh, there's these avatar looking aliens and they're from this thing and they're trying to build a Zeppelin in space. And they did. And we got to save them um, because the, the actual like idea of the story is pretty cool, but it just it falls so short. I, like, I can't recommend it to anybody other than if you if you saw the trailer and you were like. That looks kind of interesting, and I I want to see why that's so weird. Then you should totally see it, but just know going in, like, you're not going to enjoy yourself. You're just going to get to see weird shit. 
like Dane DeHane crawling inside of Rihanna. You said a lot of things, a lot of words, yeah. phrases, yep. sentences that are complete. And then Dane Dion crawls inside Rihanna. I don't know what kind of porn that is, <laughs> but I can gladly say I want it banned. <laughs> uh, I also watched... Nah, I just this sounds dumb and ridiculous. Oh, it is. It is ridiculous. Is it even worth like the, a rental or... Yeah, I was glad I watched it. Okay, I was glad, but but I didn't. I didn't only no. I rented it on Amazon, and I I rented it and did other things while I rented it, like folded laundry or like shredded news, like shitty credit card applications. You know, it's just like I don't like giving Luke Besson my money, but oh, he's fine. Out of curiosity, mostly harmless. Uh, Speaking of mostly harmless, uh, this week I watched Fury. Um, the Brad Pitt, the David Ayer movie, yeah, with Brad Pitt and uh, and Shia LaBeouf, uh, which of course I've seen before. Um, but it was it. great to remind myself how really good that movie was. Um, Shia LaBeouf is amazing. Like I wish Shia LaBeouf weren't a crazy alcoholic who had his own cult. Like that guy should come back because he was great in that film. Um, I also realized about halfway through the movie that. Fury is why I will never just give David Ayer the benefit of the doubt on Suicide Squad because, like, Fury's amazing, and that guy should have been able to make a better, cool movie than what Suicide Squad became. Uh, I, I, I genuinely think it's one of the best World War II movies that I have. Still haven't seen it. Uh, oh, it's great. You can borrow it because I probably won't watch it for a while because it's a tough watch. Cool. Uh, I also went to – sorry, I watched a lot of things this week. I went to the Dollar Theater, the Elvis Cinemas over in Tamarack Square, and went and saw The Mountain Between Us. Oh, what day did you go? Uh, I don't know. Oh, Saturday? Sh- Saturday. I went oh, on Saturday. Okay. It was sort of a last minute. Yeah. Um, it was sort of a last minute kind of thing um, where we just didn't know what we were doing How that night. How's that theater doing? It's fine. There were a lot of people there. I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why it's still in business. Um, as far as like, yeah. have they still made the any improvements? <laughs> Um, Anything new there? No, yeah. no. You don't. You don't get new things at the Dolly Theater. Um, tickets were like three dollars. No, tickets were four dollars. Yes, that's nice. Um, so it's gone up a little. It's no longer three. It's now four. Um, popcorn and a, a large popcorn and a large drink is ten dollars. So you know that's expensive, but you that still get out of the place for eighteen dollars, which for two people is pretty impressive. Um, and that's a large drink and a large soda, which could literally murder a camel. You could drown a camel in that much soda and popcorn. How many How many people are doing that to camels? I'm just saying, like, it's this, a lot of popcorn and soda. Is a problem we don't know about? It's, <laughs> it's a thing that's happening? It is a gallon of soda. We need to start an Omaze charity for it now. <laughs> uh, Oprah needs to start campaigning to save the camels from popcorn and soda. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's fine. I mean, the theater was full of people who talked a lot. Like, it's you don't want to see a movie there, but if you have to, it's okay. There was a guy to my left who I'm pretty sure fell asleep. Uh, there was a woman who came in about 20 minutes in, um, probably because the first 20 minutes of this movie are relatively predictable. Well, actually, no, that's not true. But anyway, um, and like she came in 20 minutes in, sat there for a while, got up and took a phone call at one point, left 20 minutes before it was over. Like She was basically there just long enough to see the sex scene. Spoilers. Um, so... We know why she was there. The Her mountain... call was to Mr. Skin. Right. Like, yep, nudity yeah. in this one. 
<laughs> no, I'm not going to stay. <laughs> I'll so watch it on the website. <laughs> so The Mountain Between Us is a movie with Kate Winslet and... Um, uh, oh, Idris, Elba. Idris Elba. Thank you. Wow. Uh, and Idris Elba and almost no one else. Uh, Bo Bridges is in it. Um, but basically, the two of them are at an airport, and they're trying to get to Denver, and they're in, like, Iowa. Uh, and they're trying to get to Denver, and they both have a reason... That may or may not be a little bit silly and contrived. Weed. Um, to they have to get to Denver as soon as possible. Um, Kate Winslet's wedding is tomorrow, which makes you wonder why the fuck she's not already in Denver. Um, but whatever. Um, so they're both like so desperate to get to Denver in the middle of this horrible winter storm that has closed the airport that also is not visible in the film. I'm gonna make fun of this movie for a little while, even though I actually kind of like it. Um, but like. <laughs> they they decide they're going to charter a flight, so they go out to the chartered flights area, and Bo Bridges gets them a flight. But while they're walking around on the tar on the like tarmac where the planes are, like it's just kind of gray, and you can see the blue skies, and you're like, wait, where where is the storm that's grounding all the planes? Like the guy just told us, like, well, until the storm blows over. Well, Which, maybe they don't want to fly through it because like it's not there, yeah. but it's on the way to Denver. Yeah, that's kind of what they they make it into. Yeah. So anyway, Bo Bridges gets them in a plane, and they, uh, bad news if you are a big Bo Bridges fan, uh, Bo Bridges dies, and the plane crashes into a mountain, and they're like on top of a mountain. Well, fuck, that's when I'm leaving, because right. Bo Bridges is life. So now, uh, and Kate Winslet has like a broken leg, or not broken, but like a gash in her leg. It's not broken, but like she's hurt. Uh, and uh, Idris Elba is a doctor. And so they are trapped on top of this mountain, and the question is like, okay, do we... Do we just stay in the plane and hope someone finds us? Uh, or do we try to walk down this mountain, even though from the top of the mountain you can't see shit? So if you're walking, you're walking for, like, weeks uh, to try and get down. And, of course, she's hurt. So it's a story about people walking. Um, and along the way, they, like, learn to like each other. Um, and, you know... Uh, but what about the, her fiance? The events, the events of the film... <laughs> you know sort of challenge their ability what about that open heart surgery he has to perform in the morning if if one or both of them should survive this event and get home it might dramatically affect their ability to be happy in their old lives because they have had this life-altering and challenging event where they almost died it's it's actually a pretty good film there's some really tense moments some really unexpected things happen where you're like oh shit um sometimes where you like think they're dead and then they're not and then you think the other one's dead and then they're not and then maybe some of them are dead who knows um but i i think it's a it's a pretty easy film that if you can suspend your disbelief and just enjoy yourself a nice little uh romance while you almost die movie uh you might enjoy yourself can i take a guess at how like speed sure okay so they get close to the bottom of the mountain but then there's a riverbank that they have to pass and the only thing that can get them across is a big wooden door. <laughs> now Kate Winslet gets on the door. And when Idris Elba tries to get on, she pushes him off and says, No, Jack, you can't get on my door. That's not how it works. Cut to an old woman throwing a jewel in the ocean. What's Fuck really you, James Cameron. What's really horrible <laughs> is when you started a talk, Zach, I actually thought you might guess the ending. Oh, no. And then... You are then you I reminded want, me that, want, that was never gonna happen. I just Kate Winslet, uh, yeah, no, she's great. 
She's great. I, you, and you, still really pretty. Survival. I mean, story? really. Oh, oh, oh I'm, yeah. there, there's uh, no I debate. Think she's on more that. than her looks, James. She, uh, the first thing I did was I said she was great. <laughs> Looking. Was anyway, there ever a mountain between them? Uh, I also watched San- Sandy Wexler this week, uh, which is the Adam Sandler comedy <laughs> on Netflix. Uh, Sandy <laughs> Wexler is a movie in which Adam Sandler plays Sandy Wexler, who is a talent manager mm. uh, in Hollywood. And the structure of the movie is kind of weird. Like you have all these uh, interviews with celebrities um, f- that range from uh, Eddie Murphy to or no not Eddie Murphy Chris Rock Mm -hmm. to like people you don't expect at all like uh oh who's uh Louis um what's his name Louis who used to run who used to do Family Feud the big guy oh Louis Anderson Louis Anderson like Louis Anderson's in the movie uh anyway so there are all these people who are talking about this manager and like telling you the story uh and basically Sandy Wexler is like a really shitty manager who just lies constantly to everyone. Um, like they even joke early on that like basically everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. And if, if he's ever somewhere and he gets a page, he always tells you it's James Cameron or something like that. Um, and the, I think the character is actually relatively funny. Uh, when Ryan talked about this movie, I think he said that this was like based on one of Adam Sandler's earlier managers. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, the, the character is actually really funny. The story is that he, um, he discovers Jennifer H- uh, Hudson and basically makes her into like Whitney Houston. And then there's some strife there and then maybe they fall in love. Uh, but none of that matters. It's really just these, this stream of like funny sequences and like these, these pretty shitty, uh, performers that he has, uh, um, that are, his, or that he is their agent. Um, anyway, I, I think it's, it's, it's worth checking out. It's not like, it's not insulting. It's not overly stupid. Like there's some dumb stuff, but it's not like, it's not like grown up stupid, and it's not it's, you know, it's, it's not mi- gross. Adam Sandler. It's in um, the middle. Yeah, it's just a silly film. You know. Um, I saw it after Spencer Kane recommended it to me. It's not fun, or I'm sorry, it is fun. It's, yeah, it's, just, it's fine. It's it's like it's not. For me, it's not like it's not Punch Drunk Club or something like no. that. No, but like it reminds me of like. Anger management, big daddy area where I'm like, you're not yes. too goofy, maybe but a you're Mr. not Deeds. taken too seriously either. Yeah. You're kind of in your middle ground here, and I'm, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's a palatable, fun film like a Mr. Deeds or a or a uh, big I'm, daddy. And I, and I am um, surprised how restrained it is. Yeah, because like, you could theoretically make that a lot. They goofier. could make it. Yeah, they could make it ridiculous, six dumb. Yeah, but they didn't, and I'm glad. Yeah, um, but it's also not you know high art. Adam Sandler, the way that uh, the Meyerowitz stories is, uh, which is also on Netflix. Um, yeah, and I haven't seen that yet. But uh, I'm gonna check it out. It's a Noah Baumbach movie uh, that stars Adam Sandler and Dustin Hoffman and Ben Stiller and Grace Van Patten, uh, and basically the three of them are all Dustin Hoffman's kids, and. Dustin Hoffman is like this sort of sculptor artist who never got super famous and maybe was kind of a shitty dad. Um, and Ben Stiller and Adam Sandler are brothers and, and Adam Sandler is kind of the loser of the three, but like in a really sympathetic way. And it's really just these, it's the story of these siblings as they sort of go through 
coming to terms with the end of their dad's life. Not that he dies in the movie, but that he they they're all realizing he's becoming old and that he might die soon. Um, and and they're having conversations about like selling his house and stuff like that. Uh, Emma Thompson is in the movie and she's amazing. Like she's so fun. She plays uh, Dustin Hoffman's wife, Maureen, who's an alcoholic. And that Dustin Hoffman keeps saying like, oh, she's she stopped drinking. She's doing really good now. She said she would do it for me. I told her I didn't like the way, who she was when she drank. But you can tell she's constantly smashed. Um, but she pulls it off in such a great, like, realistic way. Um, uh, and I, I think Adam Sandler, both Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller have amazing performances in this film. This is maybe the first time that I've really respected Ben Stiller. As a serious actor, really? I mean, I know he's fine, but this is one where, like, oh yeah, like you actually do have the chops. Like, you're have you seen his stuff with Bob genuinely Buck good. N- no, not you really. Seen Greenberg or no, uh, I didn't. While see we're young, nope. oh, you should watch those ones. Um, yeah, but they're not free on Netflix. I think while we're young is on. Amazon. I don't need you to talk right now. This is my part of the show. <laughs> so anyway, I I think you should check it out. It's definitely a slow burning, quiet drama. There's not a lot of resolutions. You don't really learn anything, but it's a really good like character piece drama that uh, is worth seeing at least for the performances. Also, Dustin Hoffman is hilarious. Uh, I think he's really good, and it reminds me how much I like Dustin Hoffman. Um, so yeah, uh, and then I also watched Behind Enemy Lines this week, which I haven't seen for a long time, but really liked. That movie doesn't hold up as well as I hoped it did, but it's pretty fun. All the CG is really bad. Um, like really bad. I forgot how bad it is. So bad that you want to take a take go back and redo everything for it. Or? Yeah, Behind the Lines would be a better film if you just replaced that bad CGI of a football with good. I'm not talking about changing the movie at all. Okay. Okay, you got to realize I'm not talking about <laughs> like changing the elements of the film. I don't need you to add new characters. I just want you to redo the CGI football so it looks like a good CGI football because there's a scene with a football right. in the movie that's CG and it's real bad. Mm-hmm. If it looked better, that would be better. You could replace all the guns with walkie-talkies? No, damn it. That's not <laughs> what I'm talking about. Anyway, that's what uh, I watched. You should still watch Behind Enemy Lines, though, because it's pretty fun. I forgot that while after I went for, to the Star Wars cantina, I walked to Amoeba Music and looked around their DVD section, and it's it's an amazing store. Um, have you LA. not been there before? I had not been there before. Oh, nice. But then when I got home the next day, I was reading stuff about Mr. Sand Cedar. I went. I, I was at the canteen at six o'clock. I went to Amoeba at seven thirty-eight, and I grabbed the Mr. Sand Cedar soundtrack on the shelf and been like, "Oh, that's cool. Maybe I should get this." No, I don't want to carry it on the plane. I'll leave it. Apparently, at six o'clock, the, uh, Felicia Day and Hampton Yount were there signing. Mr. Science Theater no soundtracks. No shit. I thought, uh, Jonah might be there too. I saw a photo of it on the Maybe stream. Jonah too. Yeah. I wouldn't know. I missed it. <laughs> wow. That sucks. I was within walking distance of it haphazardly. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Ben. Yeah. Well, so now you can just have kill nice yourself. Yeah. But I did find a Criterion version of the Robocop DVD so for four bucks. Cool. So I replaced that. Yeah, if you ever go to Amoeba, it's like their their used stuff, like the stuff that you actually want, is actually relatively cheap <laughs> by comparison to say eBay or Amazon buying used just by off of somebody. You yeah. know, yeah, that's pretty cool. Good. Yeah, way that's too big good. for me to tackle in under an hour. So, oh yeah, yeah. 
Uh, this week, which one do you want to get? You, which one do you guys want to do first? Oh, shit, we have two movies to do. Let's do Lady Bird first because I think Zach and I can knock it out. Plus, that way you can just tag the Ryan thing on at the end. Yeah, yeah that's true. Also, there's less to spoil. So we can talk about Lady Bird without... And people can just keep listening and then get to the Three Billboards review without worrying about spoilers. Yeah. Okay, so this week, uh, Zach and I went and saw Lady Bird, the new Greta Gerwig film. Um, Zach, should people go see Lady Bird? Absolutely. Um, just with the caveat, like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a 26-year-old man, <laughs> and I was never a teenage girl, despite many people's claims. That's debatable. Yeah. <laughs> see? Example A. Um, so I didn't relate to this film emotionally the same way others might. And again, it's just me, but this movie's great. Laurie Metcalf is amazing in the film. Sarosha Ronan's really good in the film. Or Saoirse Ronan, sorry. Um, everybody knocks it out of the park. I think you should actually give this film at least one watch. So, James, should people uh, yeah. go see The Lady Bird? I, you stole basically all the words out of my mouth, only assembled more properly. Um, yeah, I think the movie is, is really amazing. I loved it. Almost cried a couple times, especially near the end. Cause I think it's really beautiful. Um, it's a very slice of life film. Um, so kind of know what you're going in for, uh, but I think it's really funny when it needs to be funny. And it's very like emotionally powerful when it wants to be, um, with, I would say the same caveat of this is a film back when, uh, when girls came out, I, I gave this sort same sort of caveat of, I watched the first episode of girls and thought like, man, like I went and talked to all the women in my life and encouraged them to watch that first episode. Cause I wanted to know how genuine and realistic it was. Cause I watched it and thought like, man, this seems like the, the most genuine version of sex in the city. And so the same thing is kind of true here where only not with sex in the city. Um, the same thing is true, kind of true here where like, I want to talk to women who are kind of like this person and find out like, Hey, is this kind of what it's like? Or does, does this relate? And does this give me a window into emotionally what that feels like? Cause I think there's especially some really wonderful scenes between her and her mom. That is just a challenge I never necessarily had. Um, and so not that all women have the exact same experiences with their mom, but um, it's just an interesting sort of, uh, thing to see that I think like same way I just can't emotionally connect to it as much as I would in a a river runs through it or something like that that's more of a father son kind of a story I, I use the field um, of dreams example when I yes. talk about it with my folks of like there's a reason why guys cry at the end of that film right and there's a reason why mothers and daughters yeah. might share a connection over Lady Bird right but, yeah that's part of why I think this movie is really important and special because there's probably not as many of these as there are for us because yeah. uh, I could very quickly name you quite a few films that are father son stories that oh yeah you know, most of um, by a guy named Steven Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that father's never there. Oh, anyway, um, that is, yeah. So here's the trailer for Lady Bird. I hate California. I want to go to the East Coast. I want to go where culture is, well, like how New in the York, world did I race such or at least snow. Connecticut or New Hampshire, Sorry, where writers live in the world. Get into those schools anyway. Mom, you should just go to City College. You know, with your work ethic, just go to City College and then to jail and then back to City College and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything. Lady Bird, is that your given name? Yeah. Why is it in quotes? I gave it to myself. It's given to me by me. Lady Bird always says that she lives on the wrong side of the tracks, but I always thought that that was like a metaphor. But there are actual train tracks. What she did was very baller. It was very anarchist. Put the magazine back! <laughs> 
She has a big heart, your mom. She's warm, but she's also kind of scary. You can't be scary and warm. I think you can, your mom is. So, you're not interested in any Catholic colleges? No way. I want schools like Yale, but not Yale because I probably couldn't get in. <laughs> you definitely couldn't get in. Does mom hate me? If you're tired, we can sit down. I'm not tired. You're dragging your feet. You are so infuriated. Please stop yelling. I'm not yelling. Oh, it's perfect. Do you love it? You both have such strong personalities. When is a normal time to have sex? You're having sex. I'm ready. Just wanted it to be special. Why? You're gonna have so much unspecial sex in your life. We're afraid that we will never escape our past. Whatever we give you, it's never enough. It's never it enough. It is enough. We're afraid of what the future will bring. We're afraid we won't be loved. You can't do anything unless you're the center of attention. We won't be liked. Yeah, well, you know your mom's tits, they're totally fake. She made one bad decision in 19. Two bad decisions. And we won't succeed. I want you to be the very best version of yourself that you can be. What if this is the best version? What I'd really like is to be on Math Olympiad. But math isn't something you're terribly strong in. That we know of yet. Um, yeah, I, I think this movie is is really amazing. Like you said, Laurie Metcalf is just unbelievable in this film. And like, like, and what I found amazing was like in reading some interviews, like I guess Greta Gerwig hired her off of her theater work, not even off of all the stuff Laurie Metcalf's done over the years. It yeah. was her theater work, which doesn't surprise me. She's always been a presence in the theatrical community, but yeah, um, to to grab such a, a down to earth like portrayal of like a mother a mother who's doing the best to raise her daughter like and and, and it, Sir Sharonin's like what i liked about the ladybird character um is that she's never super unlikable like i remember seeing the trailer mm-hmm. uh before i went to go see the movie and i'm like oh this character seems pretty unlikable and like like uh pretentious and like all this stuff and like that it's yeah. like no she's She's actually not. She's like the furthest thing from that to a degree because like she's not like living in an affluent lifestyle. You know, no, she, she's she's genuinely she, trying. As she says in the film, she lives on the wrong side of the tracks <laughs> in Sacramento. Yeah. But like uh, which is which is a very funny joke when you do see it. But like her like one of my favorite things of like it's a great moment in the film that like manages to show you how far that line is between her friends <laughs> or her fake friends in the movie and where she lives in her life is that they're shopping in the thrift shop. Yeah. Like, and like, or her kids or her oldest kids work in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And like, it's just like, there's certain things about the story that make this film seem, seem very, like make it properly relevant to today. Yeah. Cause this doesn't like, if I were to see this film 10 years ago, I'd have been like, Oh, they're all, like this is about poor people and now I'm like no this is about like a lot of people, people right now yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's just that that's how far the economic divide is like changed in the country well, I, to where I, I'm like looking at a film like this and I'm like no this is like this is of the moment and this is what this is a very this is actually very important to a degree 
that 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 thrift shop scene specifically is one that I think is maybe it's one of the best scenes in the movie, oh, and also oh, like I, I, a perfect distillation of what this film is. Because you and you actually see it like really this magnified in the in the trailer where there's that moment where she and her mom are bickering back and forth, and it's almost like they know what the other person's gonna say. Even when when they're saying their shitty thing, they know how the other one is going to respond because the dialogue is so fast mm-hmm. as if they've had this argument so many times where her mom says a thing and she thinks she's being mean about it. And so she says something snotty back and then she turns around and sees this dress and they and she immediately goes, oh, and like it all suddenly becomes about the dress and how fun it is for them to go shopping together and how fun this is in their life. And f- that like that emotional shift from man, I really hate you, you're my mom, and you're always mean to me, and this sucks, to, oh, but we're here finding this dress together, and that's really sweet, and I like that, and you're fun, and, like, this is great. Like, that emotional shift is, like, so what this movie is, because Lady Bird is, like, extremely unpredictable in some weird ways that make her also really fun Mm -hmm. and feel very genuine. Like, she's... You never quite know what her motivations are, and, you know, even when... You know, she's dating Lucas Hedges' character, which he's amazing oh, in this God, movie. Oh, God, is he... And uh, there's two scenes in this film I want to talk about, and he's in one of them. Yeah, anyway, so go ahead. He, she, he's da- she, or she's dating Lucas Hedges, and they go to that club, and she gets that moment where she sees the guy who's the bass player, and you realize, like, oh, she, now she's attracted to the bass player, and you're like, well, wait, we've seen all these scenes where you're, like, madly in love with Lucas Hedges, right? And so even though she ends up having an out... Um, where like she finds out something about Lucas Hedges that I don't want to necessarily reveal because we, I don't yeah, want to really spoil probably, that part. Probably, yeah, but, but um, he, he just know he's he's hit. one of the last scenes you see Lucas Hedges in in the movie is it's I so think good. it's one of the most powerful things. Yeah. It's, it's more powerful in that one scene than Lucas Hedges is in all of Manchester by the Sea, and yeah. that's saying something because Lucas Hedges is one of the reasons Manchester by the Sea is amazing. <laughs> right. You know, so. Um, so even but even though she gets like an out and has a good reason to break up with him um or I should just say a reason like you realize that she was also already out of the relationship and so like you don't you don't hate her cuz she doesn't she's not shitty about it cuz she has a good reason but at the same time you also don't side with her because you realize like yeah you're just you're just 17 and the shit that comes out of your mouth isn't true and you're just trying to figure it out as you go and and one of her scenes of trying to figure something out is my favorite scene in the film is there it's it's another thrift shop scene and they're shopping for her prom dress yeah and uh oh, she says saying. no you no it's no they're shopping for her like near the end of the oh, film oh yeah 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 and she asks her mom flat out like mom do you like me and she says honey i love you and she's like no but do you like me yeah and they, <laughs> that's, which is like I, I will tell you right now, like they, I love that that is the most like honest to God, down to earth conversation I've seen mm-hmm. on a film this year. Yeah. Um, in terms of just back and forth with the character, and like, wh- you know, what's funny. Like, I'm not a religious guy by any stretch of the imagination, but I love the Catholic uh, th- themes and vibes through this film. Mm-hmm. It's like I always seem to like how religion can be used as a tone setter for a film. Sometimes, whether yeah. it's the Coen Brothers or even Scorsese with silence and whatnot. Yeah. And this film, um, uh, use, utilizes it in, I think, in a in a we, in a way that I hadn't thought about for a long time, which is like the idea of like religion isn't necessarily being beaten over the head with you on this. It's used as a place of comfort. 
Um, and it, but it's not like, it's not driving any message towards you. It's like, it's like, no, the, the reason why she goes to the church, um, after her rough night at near the end of the film is like, it's just, it's a place that feels familiar. It's a yeah. place that feels comfortable. It's not about like, I accept Jesus in my heart. It's about like, no, this just, this feels like a good place to feel safe and then talk about what I want to talk about. Yeah. And I, like I like going to the public library and sitting the, looking out the window, you know, like yeah. it's like that, you know? Yeah. I also think it's a movie that doesn't give you any easy answers to any of this stuff. Like it's why, it's why we can't, other than that one Lucas Hedges thing that I, I don't think, you know, people should know. It's hard to really spoil anything about the movie because it, it is, a slice, it is a slice of life kind of thing. And so when this, I mean, the movie takes place over a year um, and it, though it doesn't feel slow at any time, if if it took place over a month, you wouldn't know the difference. Um, but uh, it takes place over a year, and by the time that year is over, like yes, she has changed in some little ways, and she's learning things. But it's not like this isn't the year that everything went to shit, or that she figured everything out. Like it's just one year. Yeah. Um, and so it's not. It's just a movie that asks a bunch of questions and gives you some of this experience, and then just sort of ends. Um in a way that I, I find really satisfying, but you know, um, oh, I do too. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's yeah. one of those, it's fun to chew on, but not necessarily like, it's not trying to say anything specific. I yeah. don't think. And that, like I said, that's why I like appreciating. It. It's like, no, it's just, this is just a place of comfort where she can call her mom and be like, yeah, I mean, she's not intending to necessarily like, like outright, but like it's, it feels like the right time to just talk and get it off your chest, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said at the top of the review, like I, I really like this movie and I would like to watch it again, especially after seeing that video montage we were looking at earlier today. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, I don't, unless the second viewing blows me away before the end of the year, like I, I mean, I don't see a, myself putting it on my top 10 list, but that shouldn't discourage you from going to see this film. It absolutely is one of the best films of the year. Yeah. You should see it. And if, I mean, you know, like if, if all the talk or if all the chatter and buzz is correct, like, I I would love to see Gerwig get an Oscar for this. Yeah, I would absolutely say if this movie won Best Picture and Best Director, I think that would be well deserved. Yeah. Um, Because, yeah, I think it's just really solid and special. So, cool. Um, This week, I mean, actually, none of us saw Three Billboards in Ebbing, Missouri this week. Uh, But Ryan did. So we're going to talk about it again. Um, Brad, should people see Three Billboards in Ebbing, Missouri? Yes. Zach, should people go see Three Billboards in Ebbing, Missouri? Um, you know, you should have watched it three weeks ago when we, <laughs> we talked about it the first time. And then you should have watched it even before then. Yes, this is one this is one of my favorite movies of the year. <laughs> I love um, it too damn much. James, should people Yes. Oh, James, should people go see uh, Three Billboards? Yeah. Uh Three Billboards in Ebbing, Missouri is easily one of the best films of the year. And one that we will definitely talk about more in the coming weeks. Um, I, I think this movie is fantastic. And probably my favorite Martin McDonough film. Definitely my favorite Martin McDonough film. Um, so, yeah, you should check it out. Here's uh, one of the best trailers of the year. Here's one of the best trailers of the year. My dad calls this movie the swearing movie. Because he, <laughs> he can never remember the title. And also because it's called Three, Ebbing, Three, Three Titles in Ebbing, Missouri. So he just calls it the swearing movie, and we all knew what he meant. So here's the trailer for three. Make sure it's the red band one. What's all on what you can and cannot say on a billboard? I assume you can't say nothing defamatory, and you can't say fuck, piss, or cunt. That right? 
or anus? I think I'll be all right then. I guess you're Angela Hayes' mother. That's right. I'm Angela Hayes' mother. Hayes, why did you put up these billboards? My daughter Angela was murdered seven months ago. It seems to me the police department is too busy torturing black folks to solve actual crime. What the hell is this? Dixon, I'm in the middle of my goddamn Easter dinner. Sorry, kids. I know, Chief, but I think we got kind of a problem. Sunshine beating on a good time. I'd do anything to catch your daughter's killer. I don't think those billboards is very fair. The time it took you to get out here whining like a bitch, Willoughby. Some other poor girl's probably out there being butchered right now. We've had two official complaints about those billboards. From who? The lady with a funny eye. A lady with a funny fucking eye? And a fat dentist. There's a lot of good friends of Willoughby in this town, Miss A. Ow! Ah! You didn't happen to drill a little hole in the dentist today, did you? Of course not. Huh? I said, of course not. I'm sorry about Angie, but the town is dead set against these billboards. You know who threw that can? What can? How about you, sweetheart? Uh, no, I, I didn't really... Go, girl. Hey, fuckhead! What? Don't say what, Dixon, when she comes in calling you a fuckhead! Keep a case in the public eye. The better your chances are getting it solved. And when I see the sun. You know, if you hadn't stopped coming to church, you'd have a little bit more understanding of people's feelings. All this anger, man. It just begets greater anger. In three, two, one. And as sad as the spectacle of these billboards might be. This reporter, for one, hopes this finally puts an end to the strange saga of the three billboards outside. This doesn't put an end to shit, you fucking retard. This is just a fucking start. Why don't you put that on your good morning Missouri fucking wake up broadcast, bitch? Oh, my fucking idiot. That's a lot of fucks. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Man. Uh, Fuck it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah don't take your kids to go see three um yeah i adore this film a lot uh i said a few weeks ago when we reviewed it that um i think the it, it starts and it is funny and it very quickly like you learn who all these characters are and then the thing that has stuck with me since since seeing it is this realization that he is playing you for the first 20 to 30 minutes of the film where he's introducing you to these characters using all these archetypes of characters you think you know and then what you realize by the end of the film is all of your assumptions were wrong all of the the like the the language that you that we just sort of understand to mean this character is that all the things that characters say about each other is wrong um and so like in the fire sequence which we're getting into spoilers but When the fire happens and characters start to turn over or change dramatically, you kind of realize like, oh, like as things start to happen that don't make sense to these characters, you start to realize that these characters aren't as simple as you think they are. And especially Sam Rockwell, who genuinely loves Woody Harrelson's character and is just really pissed at what's going on in this town and doesn't know how to take out his anger well and so does shitty things it's not because he's just stupid and an asshole and a racist. Like he is a product of his environment in a lot of ways. And you, you eventually start learning how to forgive him of some of those things, especially when he starts being smart. 
Um, but like, it's like when you meet someone for the first time, you you for the first couple of maybe months of hanging out with them, you you see a certain side of them, and as you learn more about them, the view shifts. Yeah, and then you start kind of even recounting the first time you met them from a different perspective. Yeah, um, like the Dixon character, um, uh, is a good example. Um, Sheriff Willoughby's character, like, like for the first ten minutes, like you know, you you really think that he's just like just like a big boss asshole, but like yeah. his character, I mean, quickly his character moves into more sympathy because of what his character has throughout his appearance in the film. Well, I think his first scene with Francis McDormand where he comes to her and he says like, I don't have any leads. Like, I don't yeah. know what you want me to do. Like I have done everything I can. I have nothing to go on. If you have an idea, like you realize in that moment that he's not just being an asshole. He's not, not trying he has nothing to go on right and even when they get to a place where uh i mean big spoilers for the movie where they get to a place where where sam rockwell is like maybe has a lead and he's trying to figure it out even if that had turned out to be true there is no way for woody harrelson's character to have figured that out like there is no evidence until sam rockwell overhears that conversation there's no evidence that leads to that guy. Um, so he just has nothing to go on. So you, you very quickly start finding yourself in this awkward position where you're like, oh, maybe Francis McDormand is kind of just being an asshole, you know? Which leads into, like, I thought the scene, the scene that flips it for me because, like, I wa- I rightfully so walked into this film expecting one thing and got slammed with a dose of medicine because a great moment is when uh, it's. I think it's just before her ex-husband comes up, but like they do a flashback of the daughter mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Lucas he- Lucas Hedges also in this movie. By oh the way. yeah, yeah. So it plays Francis McDormand's son. Um, and uh, but sh- the daughter and her are fighting, and like one of the last things she says is like, um, "I hope I get raped on the way over to where I'm going," <laughs> and she says, "I hope you get raped too," and you cut back to the reality and whatnot. And then John Hawks, who plays her ex-husband comes in, they fight. And then he's, he drops this bombshell. He's great in the movie, but he drops this bombshell of like, if you're such a great parent, then why was she asking to stay with me? Um, a week before she was raped and murdered. And like, it puts you into this like weird position where like, you're still on Francis McDormand's side, but you're also realizing like, this is just like, was she the best mother? No, but like all all of the characters end yeah, up having these very you visible have a flaws. Lo- you have you have a lot of flaws that don't inhibit your relationship to the character, but add a layer to your understanding of them and like h- how their further actions proceed. Because from that moment, I'm still on Francis McDormand's side. However, I don't look on her with the same admiration that I do in the first part of the film. Yeah. And it's not until Peter Dinklage and her are having dinner yeah. um, when he gives, my, in my opinion, my favorite monologue of the year where he talks about like how he's the unappeal. He, he think people think he's the unappealing one because he's a, uh, a midget with an alcohol problem. Yeah. And, uh, and yet, um, or, um, but, uh, or I'm not the, or, I'm, I'm the unattractive one, but I'm the, not, I, but I'm not the billboard lady. Yeah. Who doesn't smile. Yeah. When he says the words, the billboard lady who doesn't smile, like that's where it clicks for me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he 
he brought up something that I hadn't been thinking about this entire time, which is like, I don't, th- one, I don't think I've ever really seen her smile, but number two, like, I've seen no form of positive energy come from her throughout this entire thing. Oh, yeah. Um, so, which is understandable, but at the same time, you start to realize, like, oh, she's actually not that great. Like, early on, you think she's this great, outstanding, like, exciting character who's like a rebel on the it. Like, when she goes and she kicks both those kids in the crotch for throwing an egg at her car, like, even at that point in the movie, you're still like, yeah, like those kids are shitty and they deserve to get kicked in the dick. And you're, and then later you go like, that lady kicked two kids in the dick. Like, what? Wait a second. Um, it, 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 that trailer is really manipulative and yeah. it sucks you into. It tells you you're going to get a movie with the kind of characters you've seen before, and then it takes all those characters and turns them on their head. Yeah, and doesn't give them any like easy outs. Yeah, um, and. Yeah. All of this is not even to say anything about how fucking funny this movie is. Oh yeah, it's like it's some of the best jokes, some of the funniest sequences. The whole thing where Sam Rockwell is talking about how you 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 have to call it colored people torture now. Like no one but Martin McDonough can get away with some of this shit. Especially, and I said this right out of the after, after the film. Only Martin McDonough can get away with the joke of having Peter Dinklage says, "Say I'm going to go to the little boys room." Like all, my whole theater just started cracking up and we only like you know, it's just he puts you in these awkward positions where the only thing you can do is laugh and go like well if hey, Peter Dinklage agreed to say it so I guess it's funny I don't, you know? I don't I don't know if you remember when we went in there but like that it took a good maybe two seconds before I started hearing laughter on that one like it took a minute <laughs> yeah that was, was a thinker we were in the position of like, it was a position of like do we do this are we allowed because <laughs> then if we do we all committed to it right. are there any doors in here are we okay laughing <laughs> <laughs> um yeah man uh it's great in another way it can also be taken like wait wait what <laughs> yeah double take <laughs> Woody Harrelson's character is just wonderful. Oh, I love the notes he. Oh, God. it. All of his notes. We're, we're are in spoiler these... territory, obviously. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're well so, like, so he, di- he he shoots himself after, um, like, he's, like, in the worst stages <gasps> of his cancer. Yeah, so well, he before, shoots... before he gets into them. Oh, and I. I, I, I yeah, it's, not, it's not a happy or funny moment, but I just thought it was visceral is that he put a bag on his head with a note on it that says, don't, don't pull this. off the bag, boys. Yeah. Which is, like, it's not funny, but it's. It's it's how do I describe it? Well, the it's whole thing's actually, about his dignity. Yeah, yeah, the whole well, yeah, yeah, like yeah his, but it's just it's unique. Well, and it's about making sure his wife doesn't pull the bag off either, right? Like he's he plans everything out with the hope that everything will go his way and he'll make things better by avoiding going through all of this pain, right? right? Yeah, and in a lot of ways he does, right? When they reveal that he's the one who paid, or when he reveals in his letter to her that he paid for all the billboards, you're like, oh, this is great. Yeah. Because it, it is this moment where finally she gets hers and you're kind of off the hook of having to like her, but you can kind of like her again because she actually appreciates what a dick he was. There's, um, well, I, I, I mean, one is like, it's like one of those images that like if Mondo does a poster of it, I could see that being one of their like some like some artist finds a way to mm-hmm. do something with that imagery, yeah, because it's that unique. Um, but also like among the many notes he sends post death to uh, different people he knows, I can't remember exactly which one. I think it's Francis McDormand where he says, uh, "Dear, um, uh, dear, dear Francis McDormand's character, I'm like, um, I'm dead now. Sorry about that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, the other thing we've skipped over is the interrogation scene. Hayes, which Miss Hayes, yeah. The 
the interrogation scene to me might be my favorite scene of the year. Yeah. Um, I mean, that sequence is a brilliantly written interrogation where you can see them, you know, sort of playing chess against each other the way you're used to in like the, the dark Knight scene where like they're in the interrogation room and like they're trying to one up each other and they're trying to like navigate and, you know, win this intellectual battle of getting somebody to admit something and you can start to tell that he's starting to win and then he coughs in her face. And the way she turns... It's also one of the moments where she earns a lot of your care again. Because she turns human. And, like, and like calls him baby. And is like, oh, it's okay, baby. And, like, and it's, you know, and, she, like, everything just crumbles in that moment. And I, you, like, see through the film. You're not in this, like, again, just simple archetypal movie scene you're in this very human scene i like that he's not afraid to switch it up on you when he wants to yeah and like it takes a very delicate hand to handle the broad comedy that this film presents but also the very gut-wrenching drama about grief yeah uh that and and recovery in a weird way like getting over shit Mm -hmm. and it's 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 a rough it's a rough act and I'm so happy that he pulled it off. Yeah. Like it makes, and I, I still need to do this. I need to rewatch in Bruges and in seven, seven psychopaths and um, not, not necessarily the same thing, but just like watch his work again. Cause yeah. he's, he's definitely great. a talented director. He's incredible. Yeah. Um, Brad, do you have anything to add? No, I think my only fault with the movie is the ending. Um, that's it felt <laughs> anticlimactic to me, that's but too bad. Cause I was literally, I was about to say like, before I talk about the reason why I think this is the best movie of the year because of its ending. <laughs> well, you're Sorry. wrong, and here's why. <laughs> because you don't like, yeah, you don't like that there is no conclusion. Yeah, I guess I'm just like more, as good as the movie it is, I guess I went in hoping for more of a murder mystery. Sure. And it's really just about a character, like a character piece. Yeah. Uh, just looking at like life in this small town, dealing with this one event uh, that has brought them together, and then... um like in a way it is resolved because she gets the call at the billboard after Sam Walkwell has built yeah. up her expectations. And that's, I guess really the end of the movie for me, especially when they start backing out of that shot. I think it's going to end there. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. But yeah, then they go on this little short excursion about like, they're going to get revenge. And then as they're driving, they realize, uh, we're not the badasses that we think we are. Yeah. And, uh, and then, yeah, we find out that, uh, Sam Rockwell knows she, <laughs> It's the one who <laughs> set him on fire. So that's good. Like, who else would it be? Right. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> that was a good Sam Rockwell. Uh, I mean, it's not the same accent, but it's. Well, I tried to add the burn in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where else would it be? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I am totally the opposite side of. I, I also thought for a second, like, are they going to end with this shot of him sitting on the bed with the shotgun, like, having just hung up with her? Or, you know, and, like, we don't know whether he does it or not. Like, because that would have been terrible, too. To me, the reason why the ending is amazing is that if you looked at the beginning of this film, you wouldn't have believed in the first 20 minutes that this was going to end with those two characters Mm. being friends and going on this mission together, right? Like Not even friends, just, like acquaintances on the same yeah, yeah that they could see eye to eye enough right because yeah. they are the most polar opposites in this thing like woody harrelson understands where she's coming from and sam rockwell doesn't mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so the fact that by the that he writes this film in a way that he gets those two characters together is incredible to me. Um, and then to have them both realize that they that neither of them really knows what they're doing, you know, like for them to see eye to eye enough to have that moment of realization that like even though they both can justify their actions, which is true for the f- whole film, through the whole film they both can justify their own actions but they are probably wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, at least at the end, they both realize that this pattern of behavior of theirs of doing things because they feel like it's the right thing to do, maybe they're not always right. right. You know, And that's really the big sort of revelation if there is one. Um, and just sort of that question of like, well, if you know a thing about a person, is this the right thing to do? Like, right. Is killing this guy really the right move? Um, I think it's just a a beautiful moment to end that film on that could have been a whole lot worse. Cause I, like I said, I was afraid we were going to end with him sitting on that bed. And I was just like, Oh dear Lord, no, that's just too dark. And too, that's just ending to not give you any satisfaction where at least putting them both in that car, you're like, Oh, okay. Like I can imagine where it goes from here. Or at least I can ask the question, but, but yeah, I mean, by the end, you certainly never know what happened to her daughter. It's a testament to the fact that he's primarily a playwright because that movie ends with a very good piece of dialogue. So yeah, sure. Um, anyway, that's uh, oh hey, uh, Brad, what did Ryan think about Three Billboards in Ebbing, Missouri? Outside. Oh, uh, let's uh, let's ask him. Okay, hey, Ryan. Hey Ryan, what do you think? Ryan. Wow, that's that's a weird take. Um, I did not see. I don't know how you could see that. Um, I can't believe he. Liked, it's like you watched a different movie. I can't believe he liked that part where Francis McDormand crawled inside of Rihanna. That's I, I, that was the worst scene in the film. What were you on when I you don't watched know what that? He's talking about. I don't remember Sam Rockwell using a mother box to bring Woody Harrelson back to life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that would have been a good ending. <laughs> <laughs> no way. God damn it. <laughs> so sorry, we totally forgot that uh, Henry. Oh, we did. Has has accepted my challenge and wrote a new art house asshole. Yeah. For call me by your name. Uh, yes, call me by your name. Was that a segue? Did you just put the thing in? Yeah, we just heard it. Oh, cool. So. All right, great. Good job, Henry. Thanks for that. I hear that movie might be the best film of the year. I mean, not from you because I didn't read the article, but I will, I will definitely call that film by its name. Shh. So what do we see next week? Uh, what are we seeing next week? Disaster Artist, I believe. Oh, yeah. We're going to try to see Oh, hi, movie. Oh, hi, James. <laughs> oh, hi, Brad. <laughs> oh, gosh. I watched a like a, a little YouTube video where people were side-by-siding like his recreations of scenes from The Room and The Room. It's incredible. Like There's little things that where he, he exaggerates a couple things to make them worse, um, like the Oh, hi, Mark scene. You know, the I did not hit her. Like, he exaggerates it a little bit, but not much. Like, it's pretty close. And then there's some other scenes where, like, the dialogue is perfect. Like, it's creepy. I'm really excited. Um, really excited to see that thing. It's not true. I did not podcast about this movie. I did not. I did not. <laughs> oh, hi, Oh, Ma. hi, James. <laughs> <sighs> ah, shit. Man, I should go watch The Room. I almost bought it at uh, Amoeba Music. Oh, that would have been that, that's On good. Blu-ray. And I was like... Mm, it's probably more fun just to always go to the theater for that one. I feel weird about buying that movie on Blu-ray, even though I want to, because I don't know what I'm supporting. 
What am I supporting? Who am I giving money to? Oh, hi, French Mafia. <laughs> who gives? Who gets? You're giving money back to the distributor who paid for the rights to distribute Tommy Wiseau's Which is just, movie. oh, hi, Wiseau Films. How is it that we still don't know what the fuck is going on with Tommy Wiseau? Like, still no one knows where his money comes from or, like, where he comes from? I guess we'll find out this week when we go... Will we? Behind the scenes I into don't his think- life. Uh, but I don't think that that. What if it uh, turns out that Tommy Wiseau is actually Andy Kaufman in disguise? I could see that. What yeah. if it's it's Jim Carrey pretending it's to be Jim Andy Carrey Kaufman. as Andy Kaufman as Tommy Wiseau? Yeah, that's what it is. Acting Inception, guys. <laughs> I don't know. It it it's really weird. No, I mean I don't believe that it's a performance. I I believe Tommy Wiseau is a meth head. Um, is Tommy Wiseau in James Franco makeup in Tommy Wiseau makeup? Uh yeah, I don't know, man. My mind, bro. <laughs> anyway, uh yeah, we're gonna see that. It's got just Josh Hutchinson in it, the 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 foot face guy, who plays the bread guy, who turns into rocks. <laughs> he plays Danny, yeah. Uh, he plays Danny, yeah. You know who plays the drug dealer, right? No. Zach Efron. Oh shit! Yeah. <gasps> guy oh. goes. I don't have five fucking minutes. <laughs> yeah, I saw awesome. that on the cast listing. I'm just like, oh, that makes so much sense. <laughs> I can't wait. Okay. Anyway, next week, Tommy Wiseau or the Disaster Artist, whatever it's called. Fuck. Oh, bye, everybody. Bye. Real Nerds is a Nebulous Visions multimedia production. We would also like to thank Sparks Mandrill for our music. Additional music from Ben Sounds. Thank you to Alamo Drafthouse. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. And thank you for listening to the Real Nerds Podcast.